This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. And how are we feeling after a Jaguars bye week? Are the fans rested? Ready for the second half of the season? Ready to make a playoff run? And how are the Jaguars doing the bye week? Obviously, they didn't win any games. They didn't lose any games, but they got healthier. So one could say it was a win. Also, we break down some college football. LSU, top dog in uh, college football right now. Are they the real deal going forward? We'll break that down. Uh, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers, which is a, a Big Ten team I never thought I'd talk about on the show. But here we are. Brent Martin, how are we doing, man? I'm good, man. What's happening? Happy Monday, happy everybody. Happy Monday. Happy Monday and happy... Well, I'm not a happy... Veterans Day to you, but no, certainly not. But happy Veterans Day to all our veterans out there as well. Happy Veterans indeed to uh, all the veterans out there. We thank the men and women who serve and who have served uh, for sure. Heard an interesting uh, comment. I think I was watching ESPN yesterday. One of the uh, servicemen said, uh, "We appreciate when people come up and said thank you for serving." Sure. And he said, "The only thing I, I we we love it. We, there's a sense of gratitude about that when people come up." But he said, "I, I also." Remind them and say, make sure you tell those who served before us, uh, which I thought was a was an awesome way to explain it. Yeah. You know, so you always have to thank uh, everybody who has served as well. And uh, we certainly do that. We're going to have some cool things, by the way, around Veterans Day and uh, salute to service month with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up on some of our shows, including Jaguars All Access this Thursday. And also next Thursday, we are actually going to do our show from Mayport. On a ship. I like it. We're going to do the radio show, too. I didn't even tell you that yet. Okay. No, it's, yeah. Didn't but, see the email, uh, but here we are. That's fine. Yeah, no email. Yeah. Um, this stuff takes, this is, uh, this is, what's that? Classified information. Sure. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Not even you guys know. But we're also going to do Jaguars All Access, so that's coming up uh, in a week. So anyway, hey, happy Monday. Happy Nick Foles week around here. Is everybody over the Gardner Minshew stuff? <laughs> everybody okay with that? Can we move on to Nick Foles? As long as he wins. Right? <laughs> I think it's what case. most Jaguars fans are going to say. What are they saying in New Orleans? Hey, Drew Brees, why can't you Oof. win football games? Teddy Bridgewater Oof. went 5-0. and oh. Tampa Bay, too, man. Oof. Not a good look for Drew Brees. But, I mean, that's, let's be honest, though. You mean Some, Atlanta. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying but it wasn't a good look for Drew Brees playing Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I, I get it. The Falcons always play the Saints tough, but Drew Brees had a little rust on him, man, and sometimes that happens, and... I guess we kind of got to ask ourselves when Nick Foles makes his appearance here in Indianapolis this Sunday, are we going to see some of that? Or are we going to see, you know, the Super Bowl MVP that the Jaguars signed? I have no idea. And I have no idea either. That's 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 great, so great. I mean, it's like the season started all over again. It really feels like We really like have it. no idea. It feels like We were it. asking the same question way back on like September 7th, yeah. September 8th, whatever the day was before the game. And, well... For the first, like, six, seven, eight plays, we were like, okay, well, hopefully this gets a little bit better. Yeah. But on that 10th play or 11th play, I, I, I lose count now. It was a beauty, and mm-hmm. that's what everybody signed up for. So we'll see what Nick Foles we get. We'll see what Jags football team we get. One good thing about the Jags, they are healthy, and they like that part of it. I mean, to be this time of year, that's one of the reasons I think they held out. Uh, could they have played D.J. Hayden? Could they have played D.D. Westbrook? I don't know the answer to that. I think probably yes. Yep. They could have tried to go, but uh, they decided, hey, let's get healthy with that bye week. And they've got everybody. And surprising news, 
Your buddy who you kicked off the show, Jake Ryan, is back on the practice field. I don't really know what that means, but I will tell you this. With all due respect to Jake Ryan, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, back on the field, but we'll never be back on this show, unfortunately, due to his uh, Star Wars uh, fandom. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see what, what they Jake do Ryan. That. Here's what we need to do. we got to get Jake Ryan and Chris Conley on the show okay. someday Yeah, and just have, like, a Star Wars thing. Now, I am not... I am not going to. Do you, do you want me to spearhead this? Uh, yes, this I am not thing? going to drive that bus. Okay. 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 But I'll sit back here and watch. Okay. Cool. We can definitely do that. Let's Maybe make it like a sideshow one day. Uh, I like that. Right? Can you do, do like a twenty-minute TED talk just about Star Wars <laughs> for me, Chris Conley, and Jake Ryan? Yeah, because they'd be good. Yeah. I don't know about you, but they'd be good. Oh, I mean, I think I'd be all right, you man. Carry your I can, own there. I can hold my dude. You saw the Chewbacca onesie. I can hold my own. Oh, now. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Next I've done, question. I've done a lot of things that I've either worn or said and probably couldn't carry my own weight <laughs> in it though. Uh, but anyway. So the Jags are healthy. That's a good sign. I don't know what the heck that means. This league is so damn crazy that I don't know what anything means. I mean, you know, I will say this. The Atlanta game did not surprise me that much that they were to if it, that they were to play well. It's a rivalry game. It's what it's as a rivalry goes. Those two teams don't like each other. Now nobody would say it is, mm-hmm. but like Packers Bears, you know, everybody would say that's a rivalry. There are not a lot of rivalries in, in pro football. There just aren't. Yeah. Even the SEC South, we can manufacture it. I mean, yes, we around Titans. here they don't like the Titans, mm-hmm. but it's not like Florida Georgia. Correct. Okay, it's not Michigan Ohio State. Yeah. Well, Atlanta New Orleans isn't quite that either, but they don't like each other, and and they've made that fact known mm-hmm. uh so i wasn't surprised to see them cover i thought they might it was like 12 and a half or 13 point spread mm-hmm. so i was like oh listen atlanta's played so bad all year and they're better than they've played like their their football team is better than that and they've played horrible but i did not see them just whacking them at home i mean 26 to what was it 26 to 9 yeah i believe so and, well, and, uh, go ahead. i mean they couldn't score and their defense has really been not so great really for two years now and Drew Brees couldn't move the ball on him and, and get in the end zone at least. So I was really surprised by the actual outcome. I just wasn't surprised if it was, say, a field goal game or a five-point game. I thought that one would be tight. Uh, and then, of course, you get the Dolphins and the Colts, too. I mean, I don't care if you had me playing quarterback. I would have still picked the Colts to win that game at home. Of course. Yeah. But, I mean, let's be fair, though. And I get it. They, they had an experienced you know, third-string quarterback out there. But how many teams can feel confident – rolling out a third-string quarterback and winning a football game regardless of who it is. And, yeah. and, and I get it. I mean, let's be honest, Brent. They, they have the pieces around them to be successful, right? They have, I think, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. They have a pretty solid defensive line. They have a solid defense overall. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Miami Dolphins, you know, getting it done in Indianapolis was kind of surprising. Adam Benateri, you know, I mean, is this... He tried to retire. He did. He you know, tried kind, to retire. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, he tried to retire, and they didn't want him to do it. And mm-hmm. they're sticking with him. And now they've pretty much said they're sticking with him. So this this season might ride on Venetaria unless that changes in a in a hurry. They're 5-4, and four and they've lost two games. If you looked at this a few weeks ago, this is the crazy thing about the NFL. And this is why I say we can sit here and predict all we want about the, the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I still think if you ask at the beginning of the year, if you're 4-5 five, and five with Nick Foles getting hurt and in position, are you, would you accept it? I'd say, yeah, you probably would. You know, sure, you that that game against Houston was a big difference maker, but you'd still probably take four and five with a chance when your starting quarterback goes out, Nick Foles, and you don't know what you have. Well, Gardner Minshew was so much fun, you kind of felt like, oh, man, could have squeezed another game out of there. You know, could you have played a little better here or there and won another game? And the answer to that is probably yes, probably could be five and four. I don't know if the Jags could be six and three. I feel mm-hmm. like they could be five and four along the way, whether it's a two-point conversion in Houston, whether it's scoring more than six points against the Saints, uh, you know, whether it's stopping a run or two against Carolina. 
you pick your spot, but I do think they could easily be five and four, probably not so much six and three. So they're a game worse than they probably would really realistically like to be at this stage of it. But how do you predict about what else is going to go on? I mean, two weeks will swing this thing. You know, if the Jaguars win the next two games, everything could change. I mean, who knows if Houston wins? They got the Ravens and the Patriots coming up the next few weeks. You know, the Colts are in a in this slide, and I started to say, if you go back three weeks ago, I would have predicted by now the Indianapolis Colts would be 7-2 and two going into this game. Mm-hmm. They beat whoever they beat three weeks ago, and I can't remember, but that was Venetary hit the 51-yarder. After all the mishaps, he actually hit one to win the game. And then on their slate was Pittsburgh and Miami. Well, Pittsburgh and Miami at the time were, I think, one win and winless teams. Mm-hmm. They lose to Pittsburgh when Vinatieri misses, and then they lose to Miami on the doorstep of the goal line, just play horrible with Hoyer in there. So that's how quick it changes in the NFL. And there are 11 teams, I think, within three games of each other, and that's a little bit of a stretch. If you're trying to chase three games with seven to go, that's a bit of a stretch for me. But I think the more telling story is seven teams within two games of each other, mm-hmm. and that includes both wild card spots in the AFC. So I still believe that the Jags are going to have a hard time winning the AFC South. They got swept by Houston. They're not going to win the AFC South unless Houston just tanks it, loses people, loses Watson, something like that happens. Mm. I think it's all about trying to chase a wild card, be in the hunt in a wild card. And, well, you're one of seven teams within two games of that wild card with seven games to go. It it could be worse. Yeah, it's not a bad spot to be, you know. And you talk about the division, I mean – I think I was a little shocked, and I'm sure you would agree with me, the Tennessee Titans taking care of the Kansas City Chiefs, which was... And if if you go back and watch that game, listen, the Chiefs... I hate the Chiefs. You hate the... Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm burning my Austin Lane jersey from the Chiefs. Well, hey, man, it was number 90. It was a swag number, but I... Burning it. I didn't last there that long. Hope you you lose every game remaining, the Chiefs. You might as well get a Starbucks Starbucks cup of coffee with my signature on it, because that's all I got from the Kansas City Chiefs. I was was there for a short time, so... (laughs) That 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 jersey doesn't carry, carry a lot of weight, Brent. But the funny um, thing is, people think I hate the Chiefs because the Titans won. And yeah, yeah I kind of do. Yeah. I'm with the Jags fans. But more importantly, I had the Chiefs, Chiefs five and a half over Tennessee yeah. in my pool. Oh, and yeah. Ooh. If they kick the field goal yeah. and they go up eight points, yeah. you know, yeah, with yeah, a botched yeah. field goal, yeah. And then Houston, and then they allow Tennessee to score. Yeah. All this stuff. They could have gone to overtime and won it with a touchdown. Sorry, I'm sorry, you lost some money. I didn't win, lose money. Okay, I just, just lost the rights. standings a okay. little bit. Okay? I, I, I got you. I got you. It's way more important. I got you. But it, it goes to show you, though, um, the Chiefs kind of dominated that entire game. You know, they, I think total yardage might have been close. Time of possession, I'm not sure what it was, but it was definitely in Kansas City's favor. But the fact that the, the, the Titans could run the ball and then the Chiefs couldn't stop it, and it wasn't even uh, so much of a, a time of possession thing for the Titans, just the fact that the Chiefs couldn't stop a nosebleed. You know, I mean, they basically got the ball, ran down their throats, and... The Titans win in the end. Buck 88 for Derrick Henry, to your point. Yeah. And I will give Tennessee some credit on this one. There was a there was a time I was watching this game. It was a Tides baseball game. I was watching um, just kind of like on the game cast stuff. And uh, I want to find it for you. So they take a – what is it? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs took a 29-20 to 20 lead. That's mm-hmm. what it was, 29-20. to 20. And – they come right back down the field. This is in the fourth quarter now with about 10 minutes to go. So 29-20, you need two scores. You can easily get out of what you want to do and what you are mm-hmm. and start throwing it all over the yard. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they handed it. I think there were two pass plays, and there were like six Derrick Henry run plays, and they ended up in the end zone, to your point. Yeah. They didn't panic in that spot. I give them some credit because there are a lot of teams down by nine, ten minutes to go in the game. you got to start hustling, right? Because stopping Kansas City can be a problem anyway. Correct. You might need three possessions you know, to, to have yourself a chance. But I give them a little credit there because they didn't panic. They kept it on the ground. They ran it, and they ran it in, and then they all the other stuff that happened, just a crazy game. I mean, the league you played in, yeah. It's absolutely nuts. It's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, if you did straight-up picks this week, which we do for our fight for the fedora, mm. I think the best record right now is 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to see my picks from Friday either. What I what I'm I mean, picking, it's not pretty. And I mean, imagine if you put money. If you put money on the game, yeah. I think there was about every game other than Baltimore. And well, Baltimore ended up being like Miami because they they won as the underdog, and Atlanta won as the underdog. Yeah. But like the Green Bay game, mm-hmm. all these games came down basically to right where Vegas had it. Sure. Vegas is so smart. They, they always know something, man. They are so smart. But it's a fascinating. That's why people love the NFL for days like yesterday. Correct. Because yeah. that was a fun watch. Yep. It was cool to sit there and scoreboard watch. All well, and day. that's the best part. The Jaguars weren't playing, so Jaguars fans kind of just you know sit back, throw in cruise control, and just enjoy an NFL Sunday. Yeah. And the only bad thing that really did happen is the Chiefs yeah. lost to the Titans. Exactly. So the rest of the AFC South team beat the KC Chiefs. Yeah. Unbelievable. Go figure that. But I beat Coos in fantasy football. Nice. It's over. Nice. And I still got Who someone hasn't? to play tonight. Who hasn't? When we come back, we'll talk about the Jags. Are they ready for this stretch run? What do they have to do? And they are healthy. That's good. But it's Nick Foles' team now. It's next on ESPN 690. You know, I talked to the players today about just the turnovers, where we are. You know, fought during the season, and we're at minus two right now. And I also talked to them about field position, which we're 30th in the NFL, which is something that we have to address and, and, and improve upon. You know, offense, defense, and special teams have things to work on. That's Doug Marone today, back from the break, back from the self-scouting. And he brings up something that's really interesting. I remember a couple of weeks in a row on this show talking about it, the field position for the Jaguars. And it was really evident in that Saints game where they – had four possessions inside their 15-yard line, if I remember. I remember correctly. I remember tweeting it out, like, where they had started. And they got to the 31 time and the 25, like, four times, because that's where the touchbacks are. Mm-hmm. And their field position wasn't good. And I don't know if that's – obviously, Doug just said that's been a little bit of an issue. Why is that issue? Well, usually turnovers. If you get more turnovers, you kind of change that narrative because you might be starting on their 32 uh, and for those couple of games, it did change because mm-hmm. you had the Cincinnati game and the Jets game where you're forcing some turnovers, and they came in bunches. But outside of that, in nine games, the Jaguars have been pretty poor at turning uh, people over. They have to change that. They don't have, it's not a catastrophe in terms of their plus-minus, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But they need to get on the flip side of that. I mean, if, you, if they could fix at a moderate level, I would say three things, but I'll even go with two. They can fix at a moderate level their red zone efficiency and their turnover rate on a plus side. Yeah. They got a good chance to, to do some pretty good things. They have to be consistent. They can't do it for one game. They can't do it for two games. They need to do it for the final seven games. That needs to be a consistent thing. And that's not going to always happen either. I mean, that, that's that's unrealistic probably, but they have to flip that script somehow. And, you know, I've said this before, Austin. I feel like sometimes when you get nine games in, those trends usually stick. You yeah. know, you kind of are who you are. The difference for the Jags, at least right now, 
is that change at quarterback makes you wonder if they will change some of those trends. And that's not putting it all on Gardner Minshew. But for whatever reason, does that flip some of that? The fumbles, will they go down, right? Yep. The interceptions weren't heavy for Gardner until the fourth quarter the other day, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. But we have talked at length now about the red zone and if Nick Foles can help that out a little bit. So can the quarterback change? You have a different team all of a sudden coming out of the break with that new signal caller. Does does some of those trends change? You took the words right from my mouth because I think I agree with you. I think any Jaguars fan would agree with you when the two things they want to see improve going forward is the red zone efficiency and the turnover battle. And in terms of the red zone efficiency, you can kind of point to say, you know what, they had a first-year quarterback in. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Nick Foles is coming now, so the playbook could get stretched out a little bit. A little more experience could work wonders for that Jaguars offense, especially in the red zone. Okay, clear enough. However, the turnover battle on defense, you know, creating those turnovers, yeah, sure, they've had some linebackers that have been hurt and everything, but for the most part, they've had a lot of their starters in there. So you just can't point and say, well, you know what, when he comes back, maybe the the, the turnover battle will be better. That's not how it works. So if you're Todd Wash, if you're that Jaguars defense, what you get is what you got right now, okay? And what you have is a team, for the most part, who can't get a lot of turnover. So you have to ask yourselves, is it the scheme? Is it the way you're coaching things? Or do you have to switch something up? And it's like I've been adamant about saying, Brent, since that Jets game. When they start blitzing a little more, when they start mixing things up a little more and sending more than four guys on that defensive line, good things seem to happen. You know, And I think it's to the point now where, and we'll see if you know Jacoby Brissett plays or not. Um, that's still kind of up in there, I feel like. But even if he does, I feel like you got to send the house, especially against a really good offensive line in the Indianapolis Colts where only sending four could buy some time for whoever's standing back there at quarterback. And an unproven wide receiving core if T.Y. Yeah. Hilton still is out. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've got some issues at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So nobody's going to scare the heck out of you. And so I would put the pressure on uh, Jacoby Brissett or whoever's in the game, really. that They're they're in a bad spot right now unless they get both of those guys back. And so they're a different football team with both of those guys. Marlon Mack's a good player. Yeah, but and that was what was impressive, really, about the d- defense of Miami is they shut him down. I mean, he had like sixty something yards, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But with that offensive line, I thought they would just pound Mac, pound Mac. Uh, I tell you what, Miami's playing hard. They came to play in that football game. I'm going to challenge you though on the defensive side of things and what they can change. And, and yeah, you're getting some linebackers back, and, and maybe to a degree there is that because you could give me okay, well Pittsburgh's coming up with some really big turnovers right now with Micah Fitzpatrick, and yeah, it's not like they're blowing huge. people out, right? Yeah, so. And I don't know why that happens. Sometimes the ball finds you. You know, sometimes. I, but I, I, I mean, are they scheming something to make that happen? I don't know. Well, at the end of the day, and I mean, that's a great question. You know, I mean, I haven't watched every single snap of the Steelers. From what I see, he's playing a lot of zone coverage, and he's just in the right spot, you know, the right spot you. at the right time. Um, but at the same time, I mean, props to the Steelers because I remember Big Ben goes down, you know, and the season's pretty much over. Their offense isn't fighting against all cylinders anymore. James Conner all of a sudden looks human and everything. They go after Minka Fitzpatrick, and everyone was saying, well, what is that going to do? You know, like, that's just one guy on defense. Your offense is atrocious right now. Um, you're losing football games. Well, what happened since Minka Fitzpatrick has got there? I mean, he's scored touchdown after touchdown, and he is really the, that light that's fired up that whole team now. And all of a sudden, the Steelers, we're talking about a Steelers without Big Ben Roethlisberger, a Steelers where Judas Smith-Schuster's having a very disappointing season, a Steelers team's on the brink of making the playoffs which I think nobody saw coming. Mike Tomlin uh, should be up for Coach of the Year. He's done a great job with that football team. Shows you how good a coach he is. I think there are two guys in this league that some people tried to kick out 
and 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 say, okay, I'm done with you. And it's a it should be a red flag to everybody that says coaches, 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 fire him, fire him, fire him. And that is John Harbaugh, and yeah. that is Mike Tomlin. And those guys had done it for a long time, and sure, they might have hit a little low for a couple of years, and things might have got stay, whatever it is, but they stuck with them. And to the credit of, of those organizations, they're being rewarded for it because they're doing some great things. We'll talk about Harbaugh a little bit later on. But my my point on uh, – the other thing is uh, while we're talking Pittsburgh, they've done a great job of replenishing that defense with young talent yeah. in the draft and everywhere else. I mean, they've even replaced Ryan Shazier mm-hmm. and that big loss, which they never anticipated. So they have done a good job of buying enough time. and. You know, over the last two, three years, I would say, at now making them a little bit more defensive oriented. When the Jags played them in 2017, you could go up and down the field on them, right? Correct. And Big Ben would have to outscore you with all that talent. Well, you know, the one thing the quarterback at least gives you, puts you in a position to win games until he gets hurt this year. But even the last couple of years, you were in the mix in 17. Uh, they were on the doorstep of the playoffs, even without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown last year. So he's kept you afloat while you fix the defense. So yeah. hats off to Pittsburgh. They've been able to do that. But where I wanted to challenge you a little bit is if you're like Pittsburgh, some teams, you might be able to create some turnovers. That happens. San Francisco's doing it. But a lot of times it comes because you're the other team's playing from a, behind. And so you can you can go downhill on them. Mm-hmm. And the Jags have not had enough of that. When they had the turnovers, it was Cincinnati and the Jets, and they were playing from ahead. So that's another curiosity I have. Uh, it's not so much what will the Jags change, what can they do personnel-wise to create more turnovers. I think they have enough of that. But you know, Jan doesn't. When's the strip sack coming? Well, usually when they're in passing situations, you can pin your ears back. But I wonder if Nick Foles helps with a word that I used to use and wonder if Blake Bortles could take the next step. And that is dictate and dictate play. And veteran quarterbacks and good quarterbacks can dictate play and tempo and usually early in the game. So where you get out in front or even by a field goal, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get down by 10, those kind of things. And a lot of that's with mistakes or no mistakes. But I always wondered this with Blake Bortles. When he had that 2017, that next step was can you dictate play? Can you get to the point where you know the offense so well, you have such command and you're playing so well and with such confidence that you – are the one that controls the tempo. And I think the really good quarterbacks in the league control the tempo of the game and can do that. One with few mistakes, two with knowledge of their offense. And so I wonder if Nick Foles will help in that just because of the experience factor and something Gardner Minshew had to at least at times chase, not always play out in front. No, you're absolutely correct. You know, when you're talking about offense and defense, it all works together, right? And the last thing a defense wants to do, and listen, if you're a solid defense, you want to embrace going out there, you know, and making the stops. I mean, you you should embrace going out there and making plays. But at the same time, and I had to go through this problem a lot. I went through it with Blaine Gabbert. Um, you know, and uh, I went through with like a couple other quarterbacks as well, where it's the fact that, you know, w- when your defense is pretty good and they're reeling and everything, you're playing good defense, but all of a sudden it's three and out, it's three and out, it's three and out, and, and you're out back there again. And sure, maybe you embrace that the first couple drives, but pretty soon you're getting tired, man. Pretty soon it's like, all right, can you guys help us out a little bit? So it does work hand in hand. And one begs the question with Nick Foles coming back now, um, you know, Kenny kind of chew up some more clock, help that defense out, and like you said, pin their ears back a little bit. A little bit later on, I want to ask you about DJ Hayden. We're going to have him on Jags Report live tonight at Top Golf. Come on out seven o'clock, Top Golf. He likes to swing it too. I might have to, put, might have to have a little contest tonight with DJ. Hayden. <laughs> I got a lot of questions about DJ Hayden and how well he's playing in the nickel position in general. Talk about that in a bit. I want to go bigger picture NFL right now. Let's do that. Uh, and Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, he plays tonight. What's the staying power on Lamar Jackson? He's the talk of the league right now. 
What's the staying power on video game football? It's coming up next <laughs> on ESPN 690. Tell me, little kids in this country, we weren't ready playing quarterback for the next 20 years. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. When I get over, right yeah. now, right now, it's right. It's right. Yeah, yeah. It's right. Start with one. Coach Harbaugh on the sidelines there talking to Lamar Jackson, and it goes to show you, you know, obviously this is, he's still a young cat, right, in his second year in the NFL right now, but the guy seems mature beyond his years, and keep in mind, this is a guy who, coming out of college, Heisman winner, but was asked to play wide receiver at the combine, you know, I feel like a lot of teams weren't giving the guy the benefit of the doubt that he'd be a legit NFL quarterback in the NFL. And needless to say, so far, he's proven the doubters wrong uh, by a lot. So it's refreshing to hear a guy like that on the sidelines, you know, stick up for his team, not worry about the stats. But the stats you can't deny is the fact that the guy went 15 for 17, three touchdowns, 223 yards in the air. And then, you know, on top of it, uh, let's see, ran for seven attempts, 65 yards, and that 47-yard touchdown. So just a really impressive day against a pretty hapless Bengals team, but yeah. nonetheless, hey, still the, do it. the guy's the real deal. Yeah, he's a real deal uh, so far. And, and Lamar Jackson is we're talk- who is uh, what we're talking about, who we're talking about. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane and Coos is back on a Monday here, game week for the Jags against the Indianapolis Colts. And this guy is starting to make people look bad mm-hmm. around the NFL, uh, Lamar Jackson. And, uh, you know, I, I like what you said there, and, and there are so many thoughts that go through my mind, okay? One is, just from the sideline thing, it was a cool exchange between Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. The Correct. Baltimore Ravens shared it, and go check it out on social media. There's more to it than that, but it was pretty cool. But I also wonder, remember now, this just comes from a guy who thinks every coach in America has a big ego. Sure. All right? And I wonder all this pumping up and almost like coaches by nature don't sit there and say, this guy's the greatest. This guy's awesome. This guy's unbelievable. He's changing the game. He's doing all this stuff. They don't usually do that. Yeah. Right. They don't do that to one player. John Harbaugh right now is going out of his way to do that. It feels like now there's a good reason for it. But I almost wonder if he's like, see what we did. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of him like you got. See, this is why we took him. See, aren't we smart? You know, there's a little bit of that. And right now he's right. Uh, So. I'm not saying I'm even minded. I'm just acknowledging the fact that I think there's a little bit of that in in some of Harbaugh's comments, it feels like. The other thing is the people that want him to play wide receiver, I heard somebody, I don't even know, say, but you almost wonder how good this guy would have been at wide receiver. He's that good of an athlete. Hmm. So maybe they saw that in him, too, and said this guy can be really good on the outside because of his athletic ability. He's a supreme athlete. I don't think people realize that, right? If you see a very good player in high school – very good player in college. Well, high school, first of all, he might be really good and everybody else could be pretty average or there might only be a couple of them that are really, really good. College, yeah, you get more that are really good, but there's still a separation. There's a gap in talent between, say, maybe the top 10 guys out on the field and the other 12 guys that are out on the field. There just is. There's an athletic talent uh, uh, sep- separation. In the NFL, there really isn't. There's not that separation. That's why windows close so fast. That's why the windows are tight. And when you see a guy of this nature do things that other people can't catch up to, it's really like, wow. I mean, that guy is that much better than even all of these 1% supreme athletes. It's really incredible. But the thing, the genius that Harbaugh and everybody did was they didn't say, hey, 
this quarterback that everybody's scouting to maybe go play wide receiver or do something that's not sure about the quarterback, don't come fit into my system here in Miami, San Francisco, Cleveland, whatever. We're going to get you here and we're going to make our system fit you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to do that. And the problem with the NFL is they haven't been willing to do that. That's the genius in John Harbaugh right now and the Baltimore Ravens Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, we're going to invest in this and we're going to bump out a Super Bowl winning quarterback that's been here for a long time because he's getting older. And we're not only going to go run whatever the heck we run and, and be a power team and play good defense and all that stuff. We're going to do things that fit this guy's skill set so well. So it's a two-parter. One, you have to be willing to get the guy, and he comes with some question marks, even though his athletic ability is fantastic. I mean, I saw him play in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl his last collegiate game. He was not good. Mm. He was not good. If I was scouting, I would have been like, nope, no thanks. Mm. Fantastic athlete, but he didn't throw it well that day. Uh, and they also then said, all right, we can work with that, but we're going to do this. And teams aren't willing to do that, right? Isn't that this could be a bad comparison. But isn't that what people said about Tebow to a degree? It's like, hey, can you change your offense to fit what Tebow does? And nobody was really willing to do that. Denver kind of changed over a little bit during that run when they were st- yeah. they did some things that yeah. they didn't normally do. They put some packages in. Um, and, again, this is not relating Lamar Jackson to Tim Tebow. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying – People have been unwilling to do that with quarterbacks over the years. You have to fit their system. You have to play like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Eli Manning and everybody else. Yeah. And if you can't, then go find another position or you can't play in our league. No, you're right. You know, And this is Harbaugh, who is, who's always been concerned with pounding the rock and then playing good defense. You know, Even when they had Joe Flacco at quarterback take him into a Super Bowl, they're a run-first team. They always have been. And not to say they're not really a run-first team now because they still got Mark Ingram. They still do that power running game every once in a while. But... It's a compliment to Harbaugh, the fact that he went after an offensive coordinator who's used to dealing with guys like this. Greg Roman spent time in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. He comes over to Baltimore, and it's like he didn't miss a beat when Kaepernick was in his prime and San Francisco was playing the Super Bowl, right? Like It's the same kind of things. Now, I think Jackson's like another echelon even ahead of Kaepernick right now. And to answer your question, Brent, yeah, I get it. You have to adjust an offense to make it work, you know, for your quarterback. But we haven't seen too many quarterbacks like Jackson, okay? And I truly think, and I get it, it's against the Bengals, right? But just if you watch the way Lamar Jackson plays, of how just calm, cool, collected, and confident this guy is. I mean, he's got the swag, obviously. I mean, that's he's got that in spades. But just the confidence and just the, the calmness that he has. This is his second year in the NFL. Keep that in mind. He, he looks like when he's in the huddle and when he's dropping back and he's running for, you know, 70-something yards, it looks like he's been doing it all his life, and which he has, but not in the NFL. I mean, it's almost like someone forgot to tell him, dude, you got 250-pound linebackers trying to take your head off. Maybe, like... Don't spin and try to get hit. Like, no, he doesn't care, man. And and uh, I'm being truthful here. I think he's changing the game. And I think with the kind of what Steph Curry did for the NBA, where kids started to change the game, you know, as in, as opposed to, you know, you starting close as a kid and then you, you extend yourself out the three-point line. Well, kids these days, they start the three-point line and work their way in, right? Like, it's a three-point shooting uh, world now, basically. And I think with what Lamar Jackson's doing at the quarterback position, 
all of a sudden the emergence of the dual threat quarterback is alive and breathing. And I see it. I mean, I used to say the baseball players would be the next big thing. Maybe it's the dual threat things would be the next big thing yeah, again, man. And I would just say, aren't they already? I mean, Russell Wilson's been doing this, man. Deshaun but Watson's not, been doing it the last few years. Yeah. I mean, they, and, and I don't, I just don't say, wow, he's really changing the game. Is he? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm seeing court. Now, is he really good at it? I mean, Michael, go back to Michael Vick. I mean, mm-hmm. Michael Vick did it. Now, Vick didn't change the game. And here's why guys like that don't change the game. You know why? Because they don't make many Michael Vicks. They don't make many Lamar Jacksons. You know, you've got to be but able to make more my, of those to change the game so 15 teams can do it. This is my point, though. When Steph Curry was a big thing, there were a lot of Steph Currys around. Oh, but people can shoot the three, man. Larry Bird could shoot. If Larry Bird played today, he broke. He would have broke Steph Curry's records. <laughs> today, if Larry Bird would have played? Yes. Uh, He's a, he would have shot a million threes instead. All right. All right. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think Lamar Jackson's going to change the game. That, that's all I'm saying. But I guess I don't understand. You don't know how the game's changing. That's... Yeah, what I want, like I see a court. Is the game is the game already changed? I guess is my point. So, like, I mean, Gus Bradley got here. He got the job here. Yeah, I remember the press conference, and he said, and we're broken down after the press conference, and they're like, we do these little group huddles, and we get one not one on ones, but uh, more questions with the coach and GM and whatever. And he said, we would like to find a mobile quarterback. Mobile sure. quarterback. That's the way the league is. The way the league's going. Mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Well, look at teams around. They all that he he came from Russell Wilson, right? That was the early part of Russell Wilson. And I mean, Colin Kaepernick had just come off. I think that would have been 2012. So come off the Super Bowl. Uh, we've seen Deshaun Watson. I mean, we're, again, we're not seeing the league littered with him, but, but we're seeing a lot see, of it. But with Deshaun, like, listen, Deshaun Watson's a dual threat guy. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But Deshaun Watson, to me, was never a guy that would take a 47-yard run, make three people miss, spin, make the linebacker miss, and take it to the house. Like, Deshaun Watson's a lot of things, but Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, they're not those guys. Like, to me, Lamar Jackson, anytime can take a ball to the house. And there's no other quarterback, regardless if they're a dual threat or how athletic they are, that can do that like Jackson can. And, and so I guess that kind of follows up my other point, though. If there's no other quarterback that can do it like him, then how do you change the game when nobody else can do you it like you? You start putting some wide receivers at quarterback in high school and some, see what happens. And yeah, then but, let them play in college. And, and that's where Steph Curry is different. I yeah. can find you 20 guys that can shoot threes right now. I cannot well, find you many guys that in the NFL can do what Lamar Jackson's doing. But, but, but to be fair with Steph Curry, yeah, it's about shooting the three, but it's how he goes about doing it, right? Like, I think I think Steph Curry has changed the game in the fact that you're seeing kids, you know, pop up 35-foot three-pointers, because you didn't see that before Steph Curry. At least my no. opinion, you didn't. He's so. pissing off coaches. That's what he's doing. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about it. I'm not done with this topic. I like where this is heading. Is cool. he really changing the game, and is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. Can it win a Super Bowl? Because that's really all that's important. And can he be a franchise guy doing this for 10 or 15 years? What happens when those legs get a little older? That's next time. Yes, tackle him first. It's <laughs> a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Looking back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. He's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47-yard touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Yep. I ain't nothing to say about that, Brent. I, I, I mean, Deshaun Watson's good. Russell Wilson's good. But I don't hear him being called Houdini. I don't see Russell Wilson breaking guys' ankles. Just saying. By the way, we need Kevin Harlan on the show daily. Yeah. Uh, at least weekly. He is Houdini. Remember, yep. he was the cat guy now. 
So, oh, he was the guy. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we like uh, Kevin Harlan. But, hey, needless to say, since we're going back-to-back with Mark Jackson's, he is my balling uh, for today because, number one, my fantasy quarterback, and number two, he's changing the game. Yeah, that's why this biased nature is the whole quarterback thing in your fantasy <sighs> undefeated, team. Undefeated, by the way. Still undefeated, by the way. Yeah. I, I would like to go back and reference something, though. I, you know, Part of the reason I beat Kuz is because I have Kyle Rudolph. What I didn't find out until just moments ago yeah. is that Kuz had dropped Kyle Rudolph, and I picked him up because Ingram got hurt, so I needed a tight end. Which makes it even better, man. I had to have my team on a bye week, and I didn't check till like 12.30 on Sunday, and I was like, oh, man, i got to do some work here. Kuz, did you disown the rest of your friends so you can't go to any more weddings? This was the last one for the year, there, thankfully. For the year. <laughs> for There's the like year. four weeks left, dude. <laughs> I mean, nobody gets married like on Christmas That's Day. True. This is the last one until February. Unbelievable. There it is. Who knows where we'll be in February? I know, man. So I, what the heck? I, don't, I don't like planning that far ahead, Brent. Yeah. Kuz, you know uh, me. just, uh, I don't know, I know you were away, but I hope you don't mind. I think on Thursday it was, we basically, uh, I think we, we you, you like almost have to get married now soon. Oh, yeah. I'm not what sure if you, we kind of forced not the sure issue. If you played back the show. You know, you can play it back on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. you know, YouTube, the podcast. Nice plug. Yeah. Nice plug. yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Mixer. The we, saw, we, saw, we saw Mixer that no, shut us down. Off Mixer. No, Ninja shut us down. He was feeling the pressure. Yeah, yeah. I bet he did. Whatever, man. It's all good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we kind of put, uh, kind of put some pressure on your man to get married. So we apologize when yeah, you go, go back, back and listen to listen. it. Oh, We're right. on Team Nicole on this one. We are. Oh, we are. Um, and team parents, probably. Yep. Team parents and team head table. Yeah. As me and Brett, uh, should be at the head table. Now, actually, we were hoping that we don't get invited, quite frankly. Eh. I'm, I, I want to make an appearance, Brent. You, open bar? Come on. Oh, it's definitely, if I'm getting married, it's going to be an open bar. Open right? bar? But not, no, sold. come on. So Do some research on that. Yeah. I, I say that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to research that one. Uh, okay. Lamar Jack, changing the game. Yeah. That's why I just, again. Balling, by the way. Yep. I think Lamar Jackson's been fantastic. I'm on the train. Good. I just, I, I have, can you win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson? This, this, this style, that, that's a stupid question. You, you can, there's a lot of guys, like Philip Rivers, you'd say, could you win a Super Bowl with him? Dan Marino, could you? Yes, you could. Yeah. So that's a dumb question. I want to phrase it like this. Really, the, my thought coming in here today was, okay, this has been about a year of this stuff. Now, last year, the second half of the year was, a little show and tell and not everything. They worked on it all off season, so you're still seeing some new things. And obviously he's coming into his own. He's more comfortable. When are the defenses going to figure this out a little bit? Defense defense figured Sean McVay out. And if I asked you this question two and a half, three years ago, you wouldn't have said they'd figure him out by now. And Sean McVay and this offense can't score. Correct. Yeah. So when are they going to figure out Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh? They usually but, do. Well, they usually do. But here's the thing, though, Brent. What – like to me, yeah, it's innovative in the fact that you have maybe a once in a lifetime dual threat quarterback. So that's innovative. But how they're going about their business of that offense, it's not innovative at all. They're they're a power running football team. They run down your throat. That Mark Ingram runs with bad intentions. Now he only had like nine carries against Cincinnati because truth be told, they didn't need him. Okay, yeah. but um, so that the power running uh football team. And then occasionally they'll throw the pass and they'll set it up with the pass. I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing out of this world. That's according to their offense. I mean, if you look at the receiving core, Brent, Hollywood Brown, who that's it. is a rookie and he could be legit um, going forward. Now he's had some injuries and things like that, but he's he's looks promising to say the least. But Willie Sneed Jr. or what? Willie Sneed the fourth, or whatever. Fourth, yeah. yeah, Willie Sneed the fourth. 
Hayden Willie Hurst. Hayden. Yeah, Willie <laughs> the Hayden, whatever his name is. I mean, and then you got Mark Andrews, and you got Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. You know, three tight ends. And you know how much Baltimore loves to use their tight ends. So it's fascinating in the sense that, yes, I say it's groundbreaking, and I, and I say it's like this new thing with Lamar Jackson, but the way that they're utilizing him, it's not necessarily foreign. You know, like, at least I feel when the Rams came on the map and Sean McVay was this big, you know, play call and everything. I feel like the RPO was new. It was fresh and, you know, everyone couldn't stop it. Eventually, teams get hip to the game. I feel like to get hip to the game to stop the Baltimore Ravens, it's more of a mentality. You know, you have to understand you're going to be in a war in the trenches. You can't get pushed back in your defensive line. And then every once in a while, you have to be alert for the deep ball, whether he throws it or he runs for something. So, it's a hard thing to stop. I'll say that. Is it sustainable for 10, 12, 15 years to play the quarterback position this way? Or do you think he'll develop more into a pocket passer that will throw first? So I think he's going to develop. I mean, obviously, the smart answer would be he's going to develop into a pocket passer, right? Because that's how you sustain a long career. Because that's the element of the game that people said, wait a minute. But but to be fair, though, he said this going into this season. He said he wasn't going to run a lot. He said he's going to be a I pocket know. passer and then run. Okay, but, but I saw him run for 47 no. yards, and that's what everybody's talking about. Yeah, but and that's the thing, though, Brent. We're... It was wide open. You know, like he wasn't looking to run. All of a sudden, the pocket became open. He's like, all right, I'll run for it. And guess what? He used athleticism and speed to run for 47 yards. So, listen, I understand there's always the injury factor, and it's always going to be there. But just the way he runs and the smartness of not taking the hits, I think he's going to be all right. My balling coming up next on ESPN 690. Go Tigers! <laughs> I want to got on the plane. Coming here, I felt like, you know what, we got it. We finally got the tools that we need. We finally got the players that we need. We finally got the coaching staff that we need to beat these guys. I told that to Steve Esminger sitting on the side of him. I told that to Greg McMahon. And I feel with the combination of going to the spread offense, keeping Dave Aranda, Steve Esminger, Joe Brady, Greg McMahon, and obviously the recruiting, those great receivers that we had in our defense have gotten better. So to have a championship team, you need to have a championship quarterback. So I felt like we had it. And obviously I knew we had to do it, but we did it. Oh, what a great story. LSU and Eddie O are becoming. Keep in mind, when Eddie Orgeron was hired, everybody's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, what what was going on here? Yeah. And, well, shame on everybody. And I probably said the same thing. I'm like, I don't is this thing going to work? Mm-hmm. And wow. And and really, you know, recruiting every – if you're a good recruiter, you're probably a good recruiter. But what Willie Taggart also proved, at least in the short term, and some people say he didn't get enough time, and that's fine. But at least he proved in the short term is you can be a good recruiter, and I think even that's questionable. you got to always be careful when you say that about Taggart because he never signed a quarterback. But you still have to coach. And coaching comes into play big time. And surrounding yourself with really good coaches to what Eddie O was just talking about mm-hmm. is a big part of it. Although Aranda made a big goof late in that game. I don't know how they let Alabama score late in that game. That was ridiculous. But uh, overall, he has done an unbelievable job. And the, what he has done against top ten teams, I think now nine and three against top ten teams, is amazing. All those losses against Alabama yeah. until that one. So He's been he's been amazing. I mean, he's been amazing. They've got all the goods. And much like Harbaugh, we just talked about with Lamar Jackson. Give credit. You know, a lot of people give credit to Nick Saban a couple years ago when they changed. Right? They went from that NFL style of we're gonna knock you in the mouth, mm-hmm. and you are not going to score on us, and we're gonna grind it out, and it might be seventeen to ten in the fourth, but we're gonna beat you twenty-seven to ten because we're gonna roll over you in the fourth quarter. It's kind of like Georgia. That's the way they play still. Yeah. But Nick Saban said, "Hey, we need to go." We need to go Tempo. score some points. Mm-hmm. And he got Lane Kiffin in there, and, and he's had the quarterbacks now to do it, and look where they are. Well, LSU said the same thing, and Eddie O said the same thing, and here they are. 
and they got a guy in Joe Burrow. They got very fortunate to get Burrow, um, but he's been fantastic. That the whole thing. So you have to give a lot of credit you know, to Orgeron. I think the coaches get too much blame a lot. I've said a bunch on this show. I think everybody points to the coaches, especially at the pro level. Mm-hmm. I do think the college coaches really control a lot more because hit or miss with some of the players. You really don't know what you're going to get. Your job is to coach them up. They've done a great job in both facets, coaching them up and bringing them in and changing their philosophies and moving on with the times. So I don't know what else to say about what LSU is, except they were, to me, that was a 46-41 game that was actually dominant. Yeah. You know, it. it you're going to look at the scoreboard, and I know you got a bunch of, we got a bunch of Alabama fans out there. That's fine. And I listen, your program's unbelievable. But they were never, in my opinion, a threat that much to, to LSU. The only time I really, if I was an LSU fan, I would have been worried, worried, was on the onside kick. Because you messed up big time giving up the big play late in the game. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, here we go. Alabama's going to find a way to win this game, even though they really have been down two scores the entire way, it feels like. So uh, that would have been the only time I'd been super nervous. But LSU's just flat out better. And I've seen a lot of Alabama people admit that, too. They're just better. They are. They're better than, than Alabama this year. And they're probably, or they could say, they're the best team in the country. I think Ohio State and Clemson and others will have a say in that. But right now, they've proven to me they're the best team in the country. Yeah, you know, That's my and it's, okay, and I like it. And I mean, you basically said everything you needed to say. I just, listen, I thought LSU's offense could be too much for Alabama. You know, and when we're breaking down the, the game on Friday, I thought that was kind of a telling thing because Alabama's defense, it's not been up to par as it's been in the past. You now, said that. So, so now you can go ahead and blame, you know, and, and it's, it's funny how it works. You know, we can get into it some other time, but it's funny how when you choose to go the high tempo, the spread offense, for whatever reason, then the defense starts to sputter a little bit. Then, then, then your defense is giving up more points. And I don't know if that's just a result of what you see in practice every day. And I, I just, well, I've I, never had an answer for that. Well, I think a lot of it is the answer to it. It's a great question because mm-hmm. the simple answer is, well, if your your defense is on the field a lot because your offense scores so quick. Oklahoma's offense scores in a minute and ten seconds. Yeah, and so they can't. You just can't keep up. The pace is different of the game. Yeah, and so. There's a little bit of that. People throw more against you. They don't just run, try to grind out drives because they're playing catch up. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you to the point where Oklahoma especially is like this for me. Why can't they get three or four stud defensive players to get them from 35 points a game to 25 points a game? Exactly. You know, and I, I thought like, Kansas City's like that, right? Correct. Kansas City says, hey, we're going to go beat you. We're going to go. And their defense suffers because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it's being on the field a lot and you give up some plays. But can you just get it down like a touchdown down? Like, it's okay if you give up 25, just don't give up 32. Yeah. And it sounded like actually Tennessee was in that direction the last few weeks. And, well, then they gave up 35 to Tennessee late. So I don't know that, but somebody soon will figure that part out, that yep. you can do both. It just doesn't appear like you can right now. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I said, yeah, I thought LSU was going to score a lot of points, but I still picked Alabama to win that game. Because I thought at the end of the day, playing in Alabama – playing in a, in a tough environment, yes, LSU is good, but I don't know they're going to be that good. And it's like you said, sure, the game ended 46-41, to 41, 
But if you're an LSU fan, you were never really worried that they're going to, you know, they're going to falter just because their offense was rolling so well. So, yeah, props to the LSU Tigers, man. And 46-41 game kind of feels more like a Big 12 game, but props to them for winning it. And now they're obviously in cruise control uh, for the college football playoff, but obviously still playing some tough teams in the SEC. So what does that do for, we're going to talk more about Eddie O and LSU, if not today, tomorrow, and, and like being just so locked into LSU and that and what that means yeah. to be the coach there, even if people don't think you're the best coach because I think it could relate to Florida State from an Odell Hagan standpoint sure. to somebody else and we've seen it. it's in college football it's different you know there's a connection there and Odell Hagan's is actually he I mean has have you ever seen a coach well, I shouldn't say ever but Odell Hagan's this week if you read what he's saying it's all about being a knoll being a knoll being a knoll yeah how much is that important in a culture right in in being a head coach at a place and this isn't me uh you know advocating for Odell Higgins to be the coach. No. But I think Eddie O's a good example of that. His connection to LSU is so strong, and they feel that there. Just the pride of it there's all. There's something to it. And so there, I think there's a lot of places like that, though. They're not the only two, and it's worked before. But is it almost worth taking a lesser coach that you might think on paper if you put them all up on a wall, yeah. but that connection's so strong? See, I think USC has kind of struggled in that Regard. Sure. I think they're having a hard time finding that right mix. Mm-hmm. And listen, when you're talking about coaches that, you know, they have history with the program like Orgeron does, you got to start to talk about that. That matters a lot in recruiting, right? Well, I'm going to ask you a question then, and it'll be a simple yes. Well, we'll, we'll kind of break it down a little bit here. But say, Brent, what's like your dream car that you've always wanted? A Lamborghini. A Lamborghini. Okay, so say you're going to buy a Lamborghini. Do you go to a Lamborghini dealership and talk to people that have that have a Lamborghini themselves, or do you just go to a a random dealership that has used cars everywhere that's not a Lamborghini dealer, and then you, you used to ask some greased up guy with some slick back hair, what do you think about a Lamborghini? Like who who, who are you gonna go to? I'm, if I'm paying one hundred and sixty thousand yeah. for a car, I'm probably going to the yeah to the, the guy the that's, guy that's got, got the experience. Exactly, and the same thing can be said for recruiting. If if you're a high school kid and you got Ed Orgeron sitting in your living room and he's talking about LSU, well, number one, you can tell because it's just the way the guy talks, right? <laughs> like I mean, the, the, the guy is LSU, right? Go he, Tigers. Yeah, he, he is Louisiana. That was nicely done, by the way. That was better he, than my other one. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 you know, he, he is Louisiana. Um, and the same thing can kind of be said for PJ Flick right now with like you know he's now he's got ties to the Midwest and everything like that and I think that says a lot sometimes of just you're used to the environment you've been around it before and it's almost not like you're selling the program now because like take for instance take like a first year coach like a Willie Taggart for instance now Willie Taggart didn't have problems recruiting right and he's been part of the Florida State program before but he was new a couple years ago so say you're Willie Taggart and you're sitting in a kid's house and you're recruiting him and you're like, yeah, Florida State's this, this, this. And if you're the kid, you're like, well, is it, though? Because you're new to this thing, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're you're still fresh. So you, you have to get acquainted as well. As opposed to, like, even, like, a Paul Chris is a good example of Wisconsin. Like, he's, he's a Wisconsin guy through and through. Uh, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, is a Wisconsin guy through and through. So, hence, they get the Wisconsin guys, right? So well, it's Manny Diaz down in Miami Manny now. Diaz, Mark exactly. Mark down in Miami because he so, knew that place. So, so, I think there is a lot to be said for that, Brent, where sometimes maybe you don't get the most credentialed coach with the most wins, but you get the guy that knows the area, that knows the environment. And when he's sitting in those kids' living rooms trying to recruit somebody, He's not he's not selling a used car. He's selling himself because he is that place. As opposed to a new coach from maybe uh, from the East Coast going to West Coast, whatever it is, where 
they don't really know, and they kind of have to give like a used car s- salesman spiel. I think so, and I, I want to evolve that conversation a yeah, little bit more down the road. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not today, but uh, this week because of all the stuff going on at Florida State too. And I think you know the Odell Hagans, the Deion Sanders, those kind of conversations are really interesting. Um, when it comes to that stuff, I do think there's a value to it. How much? You got to be a little careful with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, how much? Uh, the other part of this conversation with LSU is Alabama for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, we'll talk about the whole Final Four picture. Listen, I'm not an Alabama hater. I respect the heck out of their program, but I'm also not an Alabama lover. I be, I'm going to say what I said going into this game. They beat nobody. This was their chance to beat somebody. But they've got a ton of credibility for what Nick Saban has done and does, what Alabama has done and does. But I just don't think from a resume standpoint, giving up 46 at home, really never being in that game, it felt like. I mean, they were down 33-13 to 13 at halftime at mm-hmm. home. Admirable effort in the second half, but still, it never felt. And they're going to drop. I, I can't wait to see what the college football playoff committee does in the rankings and where they drop them. The poll dropped them two spots. Why? Yeah. Like, why? Okay, you lost to the number one team, so that's that has some credibility to it. But I just don't think now, I don't think Alabama should be in the mix for a, a Final Four spot. And they have Whoa. one chance to gain it back. Well, two. LSU has to help them. Yeah. And they have Auburn to beat. Well, Auburn might have three losses by then. And how good is that Auburn win going to even look? That'll be their only good win of the year. Mm. And they they have a chance to get in the playoff? Why? Well, looks, to be fair, then let's say it shakes out where Alabama's undefeated going into the Iron Bowl. And they beat Auburn. Are you taking that Alabama team over uh, an unbeaten for the rest of the year Oregon team? Or are you putting Oregon in front of them? Well, let's look at it. We'll okay. talk about it next. ESPN 690 rolls on on a Monday Hope you're having a good day, everybody. Well, I think he was 100%. I think, obviously, missing some time, missing some practice. You know, he played well. He made good plays in the game. I thought his mobility was probably not 100%, uh, but I thought he had short area quickness in the pocket. Maybe he couldn't run, you know, 100%. Maybe it was 90%. I don't really know. The docs cleared him to play. They cleared him to practice all week. Uh, he practiced all week. He didn't have any issues. You know, he said he could play in the game, and he wanted to play in the game, and he thought he could go out there and do his job. That is Nick Saban on Tua. And Tua wasn't himself. Listen, that's the one thing I give Alabama here is that Tua, if I'm the committee, I'm saying, okay, he wasn't 100%. But I also ask myself, is he going to be 100% or run out of real estate in the season to be 100%? Now, if you get me all the way to January, <laughs> late December, that buys him some more time. Uh, but, you know, we were having a heated, heated argument <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the commercial. I always love the topics where you can continue on in the commercial break. Yeah. But so we're going back and forth. Go ahead, John Bachman from Action News Jacks. <laughs> go, go I, I still here's the here's the thing. If you're just jumping in, I don't the thing I don't like about college football is this past resume. Just because if you want to start the year in that top spot or those top couple spots because you're good and you won the national championship, I get it. But then you have to sooner or later, a month into the year, six weeks into the year, you have to start proving to me that you're any good. And I just can't go off what you did for the last 10 years, 12 years. And you brought up a great example in, in our little commercial conversation. Yeah. And that is Clemson, actually, from the committee's point of view, dropped all the way to five. Well, they're not getting that, you know, that credibility for winning the national title or being in those th- two of the last four years. They've won the national title. 
So where's the credibility at Alabama will drop and they'll probably be like number four still in the polls because of what they've done in the past. Not what you cannot tell me how good Alabama is right now, in my opinion. I can can anybody succinctly say that Alabama is a good football team? I mean, like an elite football team right now, a top four football team in the country. Show me the evidence. I mean, you're right there where they have all we know is they have good players, right? That they have a lot of draft picks coming up and everything like that. But as far as how good of a football team when they play together, it is hard to tell, Brent, because their most impressive win right now, I'm looking at this, uh, their schedule, is probably Texas A&M. Now, is it Alabama's fault that Texas A&M ended up being kind of crappy this year? They're 3-3? Three and three? Uh, Well, no, I'm sorry. What, what's Texas A&M now? Are they... Uh, yeah, well, they have to be more uh, than that, probably. Yeah, like I'm sorry. I'm looking at when, when they played Alabama. Yeah, they're 3-3. They're not as good as they were supposed to be. Yeah, but. so it wasn't their fault. But to be fair, how good is Alabama? I don't know. Because nothing on their schedule shows me how good or how bad they are. All I have to go off is LSU beat them. But this is why we almost – I'm going to throw something at John in this segment. It's <laughs> because John said – what did you t- you said you started this by saying what that one loss by Georgia is so much worse than Alabama's Correct. so Alabama should get the nod over Georgia. That, it, we were talking about Alabama versus Georgia and the hypothetical was if they both end up with one loss at the end of the year where do you rank them? Yeah. And I said I think it should be Alabama and I'm no apologist for Alabama so uh, let me throw yeah, that out true. there. Yeah. Um, but but I will You're say, an Iowa guy for crying out loud. Absolutely, I am. But I will say that if you look at it, you go. The real question is, do do the lack of quality wins mean more or less than a bad loss? Because Georgia got beat by South Carolina at South Carolina. Alabama got beat by LSU at home. Those are the losses. Yeah. In my opinion, Bad the loss, loss, by, South, the by, loss Georgia. by Georgia is way worse. Terrible loss. Way worse. And, you know, the argument being made that Georgia, if they do go undefeated the rest of the way, they will have a win against Florida, a win against Auburn, and a win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame. And, by the way, a win most likely the LS, against LSU. In the SEC well, championship, they, yeah, and that's I guess that's that would be the lock, and that would be but, the lock but for them. Right but, now, but I'm saying, say, yeah. I'm saying if they if you don't play that final game, right? Like, okay, yeah. so now, and to me, I would say Alabama because you can't fault them for just like you you know you want to say you can't give them credit for their their history. You can't also fault them for not playing a better A and M team or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So that's well, that's where I would stay on it. And, and you know what, John, and kind of prove your point a little bit too. And I forgot what year it was. It might have been 2017 when Ohio State was on pace to play in the Big Ten championship and go to the college football playoff. They get slobber knocked by Iowa. Yeah. And, and, and Iowa crushes them. And all of a, a sudden, years ago. Yeah. All of a sudden, Ohio State's dreams are now dashed in the college football playoff. Not because of the quality wins, which they had, but it was that. Loss where they lost, I think it was like fifty something. But but it was a bad loss that kept them out of the college football playoff. Georgia lost in double overtime at home. That wasn't yeah. like a. It wasn't that loss. No, uh, not at all. They no. lost double overtime at South Carolina. That was an away game at South Carolina. Was it? No, no, it was at Georgia. It was, it at, was Georgia. at Georgia. Georgia. Oh, that makes worse. it even worse. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, okay. But here's my point. Yeah. I can tell you though. I'll give you concrete evidence that Georgia is a good football team. They have not allowed twenty po- more than 20 points in a game this season, even in that loss, in double overtime. Yeah. And they have beaten Florida top 10. Notre Dame, I think, who was top 10 at that time. I don't even know where they're slipped through now, but they won the other day, so they'll be top 15. Uh, they'd beat Auburn, top 15, and, well, they'll still have a right to earn LSU. Like, Georgia's not going to be debatable. But th- what I right. brought then into the conversation is if Minnesota had lost to Penn State, 
And they lost 31-26 by five points at home to a top four team, much like Alabama did. I can sit here and tell you that I don't know if Alabama is any better than Minnesota. Oh, well. I'm, from, I'm telling you from I know, evidence I know standpoint. what you're saying. I know what well, you're saying. And it's, it's an argument you can certainly make, but I think your gut now, would tell you better than no, that. No, your gut. But my gut, here's the, again, the problem with us is our gut tells us because Alabama has Nick Saban and Alabama is always good. And like 405 star athletes. But that's, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get nine it. Nine out of ten times they're going to win. Now, listen, the eye test does come into this. I'm, I'm not saying I yeah. would pick, uh, but there's not that diff- much different. Now, Minnesota's schedule is even worse than Alabama. Way worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and what they've done now but it but wouldn't again, be that different of a scenario let's be clear though they beat penn state and so i mean like this is a hypothetical because you're talking about had they lost yeah but they won and i and i was talking smack earlier i want to make it public that i did i you know i didn't expect minnesota to win and they won that game so kudos to them for winning that but game here's the deal they won that game and there's a really good chance alabama will be ranked in front of them yes and i wouldn't have a problem with that frankly now minnesota fans would think it's <sighs> crazy yeah why? Yeah, Why it, is well, Alabama and, and, and right in front of Minnesota? So, and here, I mean, to get to prove your point, you're going to say it's probably history, right? I'm like, going to say, I'm gonna say you know, no, it's not. It, okay. the, the history is that they get better athletes year in, year out, and this year is no different. So it's history by the fact that this is the same. That They have... You look at their roster and you go, yeah. wow. You look at Minnesota's roster, you go, where'd they find these guys? But, I mean, that's just the cold, hard truth. I look at their roster and I say, they beat Penn State at home, fourth-ranked team in the country. I say, Alabama lost to the first-ranked team in the country, still a top-four team at home. Enough said. One's undefeated, one's got one maybe loss. They've both beaten nobody else. Maybe I've lived in the Southeast too long, but I think that Minnesota would not beat the teams that Bama beat this year. Period. Well, and you know I'm, what? You might be right, but I can't until they play. I can't. That's yeah, why this is so just, superficial, man. I agree. That's yeah. what makes this great, great fodder for for talk shows. But I just think it's crazy to think that nine out of ten times Alabama wouldn't beat Minnesota. Period. You know what? But you would have said you told me Friday I, nine out of ten times right. Penn State would have beat Minnesota. Absolutely right. Listen, like John, like you're absolutely we, right. We, we can't really go by history with Minnesota because PJ Flex got them on a different level. You know, like. This, they do. this isn't You're your traditional right. old school Minnesota football team that, you know, they're kind of laughing stock of the Big Ten. And I was with you. I thought Penn State was going to embarrass right Minnesota. And You're right about that. PJ Fleck comes out. I thought he called the great game. And you see the receiving court. He had the same thing at Western Michigan. Like, I don't know what it is. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know where Minnesota's wide receivers came from. But it's like he's got a bunch of Corey Davises like he had, you know, a couple years ago in Western Michigan. I was surprised. Just, I was surprised they're speed. Yeah. I didn't expect speed out of Minnesota, and they had some speed. Now, yeah. can they look to, to a bunch of SEC teams? I don't know. But all I know is this isn't the traditional Minnesota team that fair we're enough. accustomed to seeing. That's if, fair if enough. You're, by the way, one other thing here, okay? Yeah. If you're ranking the teams, and so here's what I, I just kind of gave the Alabama folks and, and the committee folks a little pass by saying, okay, if you're saying that Tua isn't 100% healthy, that's why they might have lost that game. Keep in mind, that was a five-point game, in my opinion, that wasn't very close. Yeah. I mean, LSU was in command of that thing, sure. really, until an onside kick at the end. But the... If that's kind of the excuse part, say, well, Alabama lost, but Tua is coming off surgery. Well, isn't it the same reason you wouldn't rank him right now as high? Because Tua, it's not like Tua is, is healthy all of a sudden. He hardly could walk off the field. So there's a really good chance moving forward this team doesn't have a healthy Tua. So yeah. therefore, that should factor into the way you you rank 
and look at Alabama, but it won't because the last 10 years is what matters when you rank Alabama. But in the it's end, a stupid thing. But in the end, it's not going to matter. You know that, right? They're going to be where they're going to be. It could matter with Alabama I now. don't think it's going to. It could I don't matter. think it's going to, though, because LSU's going to win the West. What's Alabama's going to end with one loss, but you're going to have an LSU team that's either undefeated or you're going to have a Georgia team that has one loss and has beaten LSU. I mean, so either one of those teams are going to get in before Alabama. Well, we, can, know, we know Ohio State and Clemson look like they're on pass. To right. Go. We know now LSU looks like they're on a pretty good path. What's going to be fascinating, and you might have just said this, I was trying to digest everything, but if yeah. Georgia beats LSU, is that what they're you just in. said? They're in. They're going to go. Georgia's in. They're Georgia's in. But then what happens? Because That's four, isn't it? Well, we said uh, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. And Alabama, or another LSU. Well, so LSU would go over I, Alabama I think as so. one loss because they so. played and they beat them. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that would, that That's would my iron point. it out. So the only way it would. The only way it would be interesting, I guess, is if LSU beat Georgia and yes. you would somehow pick Georgia over Alabama. But now no. not Georgia has two losses, no. including if right? you pick LSU to go LSU, Ohio State and Clemson go undefeated. Right. That, leaves, that leaves Alabama, a Pac-12 team. Correct. A possible Oklahoma. That's right. And and that's it. Right. So, so now, and, now and who's getting the nod? That's the argument. Alabama's getting the nod. Because why? They beat Auburn. Correct. Because they beat Auburn. Because Oregon got beat by Auburn. That's right. For, for and, the Pac-12, assuming that, assuming that Oregon goes. Yeah. I mean, that's just, even, though, that's even though Oregon, who really hasn't beaten anybody else either, won their championship. Again, yeah. I don't think that. I don't I mean, think too many Brent, people have can, a problem with that, though. We, we, we can go every single team. I, I can say, why is Ohio State number one in the nation right now? Because who have they played? They, they played a Wisconsin better team that got beat by no, Illinois, but, but they're it, number one. But it but, came out that their schedule actually was better than the other teams, even LSU. So their their strength of schedule actually Wisconsin, is better. I'm sorry, Ohio State's strength of schedule is better than LSU's. It, well, it, it might actually, not be now, but it was. It okay, was it. well, when they yeah. play Michigan, they play Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, but right now I'm saying they're number one in the nation. Why? I mean, well, they won't be. I think okay. LSU will jump them. But, okay. But do I think they deserve to be number two? Yeah, I think they do. Well, and, and they beat it, Wisconsin, man. If you just alone, they beat Wisconsin and yeah. trounced them. They, yeah. they, they, Alabama hasn't done that. I hear you. But then, I'll be honest, though. I'm using history as a... Because I think Ohio State... I said the fits. I said Ohio State should be number one. Why? Because I use history as an indicator. Ohio State's always been good, but their MO has been the fact that when they play lesser competition, they play to their competition. They have that one bad game a year. Ohio State hasn't had that game this year. I'm going to go over to that Moroccan shrine and fight you because you shouldn't shouldn't use history as an example. Why are you using history I'm as saying an example? College football is using history as an example to rank Ohio State point. number one. Well, then why is Ohio State number one? Because they beat Wisconsin and lost to Illinois. Hey, we can't impressive. go to break. We've got to first uh, see what's coming Most up on impressive. CBS 47 and Fox 30. <laughs> oh my God! They got beat by the line. Are you okay? Oh. I don't like any of you guys right now. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. All right, so coming up, we have. Um, a couple of things. Of course, number one, we're following Taylor Williams, the yeah. missing girl. The the sheriff had a press conference earlier this afternoon basically saying a couple big things came out of that. Number one, they he confirmed that they are looking in Alabama. As a matter of fact, they're also looking anywhere between here and Alabama, including parts of Georgia, if that is the case. Uh, he the The thing that's interesting is that they have narrowed down the search. Remember when he first gave the newser last week, he said, anybody who's seen Taylor and her mom, Brianna, anywhere in Jacksonville in the last six months, we want to hear from you. Now they're saying anyone who's seen Taylor and Brianna in Brianna's black Honda Accord with the black rims and a, I think a Tampa Bay Buccaneers tag within 
the last two weeks, two weeks. between here and Alabama. Hmm. So they, they have gotten some information that has narrowed this down. She's still not in custody. She is, Mom is a person of interest, not in custody, but she is on NAS Jack's base. That's all we know right now, uh, but not being cooperative. So they still need more information to try to pin this down, but they've narrowed it down to two weeks and somewhere between here and her hometown of Alabama, in Alabama. So we're breaking it down. We've got our, um, uh, Bridget Matters in Alabama. Um, we've got a, a bunch of folks digging in, uh, to stuff here. So we'll have all that coming up, um, uh, at five o'clock. And then the other story that we have at five o'clock that I did, interesting story, uh, on Veterans Day, um, a Navy sailor here locally a couple years ago was golfing with some Navy buddies one day, Labor, uh, Labor Day weekend, two years ago. Gets bitten by a mosquito. He didn't know it at the time, but that's apparently what happened. Um, says to his wife the next morning when he's getting ready to go to work or whatever, I'm dizzy, I don't feel well. They're like, ah, you know. Eventually, so basically, the, two days later, two days after this golf outing, he is in the hospital, uh, unable to speak, and they had to put him <sighs> in a coma for a month. From a mosquito to bite. To protect him from the mosquito bite because they, they eventually figured out that he was infected with Eastern Equine Encephalitis, EEE is what they're calling it. Now, this is extremely rare. Only seven people on average a year wow. are infected with Eastern Equine Encephalitis. The in problem, the world? In the United States. In the United States. Yep, seven a year on average. It, it fluctuates. But the trouble is that a third of them die. It's a very, you know, if you get it, it's bad. And this guy survived, but he has had to work very hard to walk again. He's walking Talking is still very difficult. He's able to. He's gotten farther than most thought he'd ever get. Um, he's still got a ways to go. But I managed to uh, sit down and talk with him and his wife, who helped, uh, you know, translate a little bit for us. He, he, I could understand him after you spend some time with him. You get to understand him a little bit, but it's hard, yeah. especially on a two-minute TV story. But wow. incredible story, and it's, you know, it's it's a story of uh, fight fighting. Um, and, and, and I, I think the way I saw it was this kind of this beautiful story of the two of them together fighting. Yeah. So, uh, it's worth your time. Hope you'll join us. At, I think that's at 5.45 today. All right. So, that's, uh, yeah. that'll be a good story to watch. Uh, 5 yeah. o'clock until 7 o'clock, CBS 47, Fox 30. Uh, the latest on Taylor Williams, uh, from here to Alabama. And also, uh, that story on a, on a Veterans Day. And if I may, End it on a positive note. I'd like to congratulate Austin Lane, Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, John, you don't have to do that, for, man. You don't have to do that. For, for, for doing um, what is always done to the Iowa Hawkeyes, which is giving us a little bit of hope and then ripping our hearts out. That was out. a pretty good so, game. The problem is it was right up against LSU Alabama. I know. Yeah. You were talking about that game. I didn't see a play because I was glued to the Iowa game, and it was painful as always. And I'm going to be honest, I couldn't watch a lot of it because I had to corner some guys for the fights on Saturday, so unfortunately I couldn't take part in the, the whole Twitter roasting session that immense, but... You could have yeah. had me. I know. I, I know. Trey, I know. Well, trust yes, me. You, yes, I you would have had me. But, I had gifts already, man. I, oh. I had the, the as a Ray Kinsella from... Field of Dreams. Yeah. I was gonna say, is it? I was gonna say, is this a trash team? And he's gonna say, no, it's Iowa. Oh, but I couldn't do that. Like, dude, I had it all chalked up, but I couldn't. Hey, God, I'm trying to tape wrists and give advice to I fighting. Mean, yeah, well, so I was take I'm, a time out, man. I couldn't, man. I had to be locked in for my little, fighters, dude. Oh, well, hopefully, you don't get a chance. I'm gonna go ahead and call my shot. The Hawkeyes beat the Gophers this weekend. Well, then I'll keep those yep. gifts and stuff keep ready. Gifts ready just for, just it case. sounds like I made it. Way, that is the way college football works. Yeah. We'll see how You're good right. PJ Fleck is. And lastly, but not leastly, you called it balling. My boy Kirk Cousins balling. I'll leave it with that. Oh, okay. He was. He got a big win.
Big no, Monday. That was, that was no everybody knocks him for not playing in prime no, time. Big, he no, went to Dallas and won in prime time. No, he did. Awful play call. Dalvin, 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 Dalvin Cook had a pretty good game, too. He did. So let's he give did. Dalvin Cook a oh, little no. bit of credit. It wasn't okay. all him, of course. Okay. But he did throw, what, two, three touchdown passes, it's I think? 23 of 32, I think, for 220. So they didn't ask yeah. him to do crazy no. stuff, yeah. but they did. It helps you've got the best running back in the game. Doesn't matter. He won the game. He's thrown for 500 yards and losses. Yes, so Absolutely. He won the football game. It was a big win for him in a Vikings uniform. Absolutely. All right, John Bachman, thank you so much for tonight, 5 o'clock until 7, CBS 47, Fox 30. And again, at 7 o'clock tonight, we'll have DJ Hayden on the show at Top Golf Jags Report Live. You can watch it on CBS 47. Coos, can you get the audio of Brent saying that he wants to fight me at the Morocco Shrine? Because that's like signing a waiver of liability. Like, you just did that. So okay. I did. Okay. Let's do it. So anything that's going to happen after this, uh, it's not on me anymore. You he, can, he signed the waiver. Yeah, and then I go from being Iceman to wearing the belt. <laughs> Stay off the weed. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 6 night. You know, so we're, we're healthy after the bye, which is one of the goals that you want to do, get yourself a little bit more time and get yourself ready to go. And, you know, right now we're at, we're, we feel good about it, you know, with the players going out today. Well, hopefully they feel better on Sunday. It's good that they feel good. You know, think about this football team last year to this year. They were devastated by injuries. And now you come back after the bye week. Mm -hmm. And, all right, help me out here. I didn't prep for this. Marcel Darius. Yes. Talk about out for the season. Okay. Uh, Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, you know, if you wanted from all the way back, but he never contributed. Alfred Blue. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I Calvin Smith, you could argue. I mean, you know, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah whatever. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that counts for okay. this this exhibition. Uh, three guys. Yeah. That's you have pretty, everybody else. That's pretty lucky. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I just, I I'm am, just yeah. thinking about it right now. It just it sparked Doug's comments sparked that coming out of the bye week. You know, again, you could you the last two months you could say they're quarterback, but now the quarterback's back. Mm -hmm. So, knock on wood here, but mm -hmm. the Jags, if they like their football team, this is kind of what they expected. You know, again, you know you're going to have some injuries. Yeah. And with all due respect to those guys that we just mentioned, I can't imagine you'd say your season swings on any of those three guys. They have good players. Yep. I think Marquise Lee's important to the run game. It gives you another weapon in the pass game. I think uh, Marcel Darius is a big, important guy on that defensive front. But if there's an area that they have depth, it's on the defensive line. Sure. So with all due respect to them, I just don't think your season changes because yeah. those guys are out. Which is very rare for – I mean, it seems like every single year at least – you know, one player from every NFL team who's a, a big con contributor, a key cog in making either that offense or defense goes, you know, is out for the season. And knock on wood, the Jaguars have it. I mean, now granted, Nick Foles has been out, right? Well, yeah, that was a big yeah, loss, yeah, but, but, it, but but he is back now. It's not like their season has not been impacted exactly. by injuries. My point is you're going for a stretch run at this time of year versus last year where you were like on your 12th offensive lineman by this point last year. Yeah. You are in a really good shape. I mean, keep in mind, even in 2017 when they went – to the AFC Championship game, they played that whole year without Allen Robinson, who was their best wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So, again, they're in good shape. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, we'll see how good a football team. Going to talk about DJ Hayden in a couple minutes, but let's get to Fallen first. And, uh, oh boy. Yeah, Fallen. Uh, 
It's crazy you can fall when you get so high, but Dion Waiters um, managed to accomplish, accomplish that feat over the weekend. Um, first, it was reported that he had a seizure uh, on the team airplane, which obviously that's a that's a pretty serious thing, and um, thankfully he's okay. But then later it got revealed that the seizure was actually stemming from the fact that he took an edible. And for people out there that are maybe over the age of 60 or even if my mom's listening, I'm not sure if she knows what edibles are, but basically an edible is like a, um, it would be like a condensed version of marijuana, but you eat it, hence the name edible. So he basically, he eat whether it was like a chocolate thing or a gummy thing, whatever he ate, he ate an edible and did a little bit too much. And the result of that was that he had a panic attack and then later went into a seizure. And... Obviously, that's a serious thing to happen on an airplane. Then he was later suspended because, obviously, he had to review what was going on. So he's now been suspended for coups. You got the time frame? How many games he got suspended? Ten, right? ten games? I think it was ten, yeah. So, yeah, so Deion Waiter has been suspended for ten games for, for doing the edible. And, um, yeah, I guess maybe don't do narcotics, don't do drugs when you're on a team plane. I Stay s- off the weed. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. Thank you very much. Coos, hit me one more time with Stay that. Stay off the weed. On, on, on team planes. Okay, we're good. That might be actually Stephen A.'s best work. <laughs> well, it, it, it's crazy because it's him and Shannon Sharp. They go back and because like, it seems just like as far as memes are concerned and videos, like everybody posts something about Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp. All right, how about this? You ready? Hit me with it. I was going to do something different. Like okay. Maybe have like, are the Chiefs for real or yeah. some of those things? Well, it was going to be you and Morocco trying if you keep on talking smack, but. Oh, we're no, going. I ain't dropping. I'm running. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, but then I just saw this. Okay. You know the name. You're a hockey guy. Of course. I know the name. I'm not a hockey guy. Okay. Don Cherry? Yeah. Did you see? He got fired. Oh, no, I did not like see this. You look like you're going to cry. No, I, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry, but why? I mean, he's fired? like legendary. Of course, yeah. where's the Blazers, right? Dude, he's he's one of a kind. He's yeah. what, what he said something stupid, didn't he? He did. Is oh, it, here we go. He's is, 85 years young. Is this something racist? Uh, it's gonna break my heart if it is. About immigrants. Oh no. What do you say, Brent? So I I'm just reading this. So I don't. Let me. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, Don. He says I live in Ontario. Very few people wear the poppy. The poppy is... Uh, the seed for... Um, not the seed, the flower. Flower, yeah, for, for uh, Veterans Veterans Day, okay. Uh, downtown Toronto, forget it. Nobody wears the poppy. Now you go to the small cities, you people, uh-oh, that come Friends here, there. whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, and at least you can pay a couple bucks for a poppy or something like that. These guys paid for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the biggest price for that. He got a ton of backlash for that. I feel, like, on, uh, I feel like there's more, no? Uh, you just said you people. See what happens when you say you people, Brent? I try to tell you all the time. You don't listen. Let's see. The, here's, the, here's the other part. This is just coming in. So sports brings people together. It unites us, not divides us. This is not Cherry saying this. Following further discussions with Don Cherry after Saturday night's broadcast, it's been decided it's the right thing for him to immediately step down. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that do not represent our values, what we stand for. Sportsnet president Bart whatever, said in a statement yeah. on Monday. Don is synonymous with hockey and has played an integral role in growing the game over the past 40 years. We'd like to thank Don for his contributions to hockey and sports broadcasting in Canada. Well, to kind of set the scene, too, for people that don't really follow hockey, like Don Cherry would be like Dick Vitale, I would compare him to. Yeah. And then in the terms of just like kind of the off-the-cuff, kind of off-the-wall kind of dude, but is super well-respected, you know, and has been around for a while. So huh. that's unfortunate. 
I didn't like him from last year because he was hating on the Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. So Don Cherry's the guy that called uh, the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks, by the way. He was yes, that guy. He was so, that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he, he, those, he probably got a raise for that. Oh, I'm sure, right? Because that started a whole trend. Well, they had shirts and everything made. Of up. course, yeah. How about this? Uh, this is a this is nothing to bone and fallen. Um, unfortunate. Uh, you sometimes you see names of people that pass away. Sure. And you're like, man, really? That's like uh, Charles Rogers. I saw this. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see that till now. Yeah. Um, former Michigan State star receiver and, sure. and Detroit Lions wide receiver. Uh, liver failure. I uh, recently was diagnosed with cancer. I didn't realize that. Died yeah, at age and of 38. He was waiting for a transplant, I guess. And unfortunately, uh, I'm not sure if they, they ruled exactly the cause of death, but I know he was waiting for a liver transplant. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. So, oh, man, that's too yeah. bad. Uh, so, all right, uh, yeah. we move on. Let's go back to football and the Jags. I got We have DJ Hayden coming on Jags Report live tonight. Top yep. Golf, 7 o'clock. You can see it on CBS 47. Come on out to Top Golf. He's a big golfer now. And uh, we're going to share a story. If you don't know DJ Hayden's story, he actually came real close to his football career being over at the University of Houston. In a practice, he collided, and um, uh, I want to say, I hope I put this right, tore a vein in his heart. Jeez. And so, like, life-threatening situation, obviously, maybe never playing again. That was years ago. Yeah. Well, now, I fast forward to now. A couple years ago, the Jags signed him. Aaron Colvin gets let go. Played really well. Played a big part of that 2017 team. He goes to Houston, signs a big contract. Mm -hmm. DJ Hayden comes in. uh, He misses some games. I think he had a toe injury where he missed like six games. And played really well outside that. This year, I've been raving about DJ Hayden. I feel like he has played lights out. Didn't play last week against Houston. But I feel like he has played lights out football. And a couple of things crossed my mind, uh, you know, Enter my mind when I think of DJ Hayden in the nickel position. The nickel position has been it's part of our terminology now when we yep. we, we talk about the NFL. Uh, it's it's an extra cornerback and it's used 65 percent of the time. I think is the number that floats around there when everybody passes. You take that other linebacker off the field, you go with two linebackers, and you go with the five uh, guys in the secondary. But it's a, it's kind of a dirty position, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not. It gets labeled a cornerback spot. But it's totally different cornerback position. Mm-hmm. How so in your mind? I mean, you obviously played it. Yeah, well, not, so you didn't play that position, but no, for defense. sure. So first of all, when you're playing the nickel corner, you got to remember you're not on the field the whole time. So you come in, come out, come in, come out of the game, and it's kind of like I had to talk about if you're trying to pull a guard, if you're trying to rotate offensive lineman, where there is a flow to the game, and especially like at the corner position, I feel like there's definitely a flow. You know, where you kind of get a gauge for what's going on and. If you get pulled in and out of the game, because the nickel corner is obviously used in past situations. And the reason why the nickel corner has become such a, a high-valued asset is just the fact that this is more of an offensive-driven league now. And more offensive-driven league means more passing. So teams will opt to use more defensive backs than linebackers now just to try to counteract the pass. So with that being said, yeah, the, the nickel corner is definitely a spot, but it's also a spot where... You know, usually you're assigned to a receiver. Like, so say like AJ Boye, you're probably going to put him on the top receiver, right? Um, and then we say Trey Herndon probably goes in the second best receiver, right? Well, the nickel spot, you could play the slot. I mean, you can play basically play anywhere. Um, so they ask a lot of you. And granted, you're not in the field the whole time, but still the fact that you're coming in off the bench, uh, you're expected to shut down whoever they ask you to shut down, and you're all of the field, it's definitely a different kind of spot. Okay, I've got another question about yep. this. 
why don't nickel corners translate to traditional corners successfully? Aaron Coleman could not make the move. Yeah. It did not work out for him. Yeah. And I'm using him as an example. And maybe you'll throw back at me a bunch of different examples. You kind of described it. It's a different mm-hmm. position. It's a unique position. But you'd still think that skill set of covering receivers would transfer to the traditional corner spot. And it, yet it yeah. doesn't seem to. Well, see, because it's funny, right? Because we say nickel corners and we assume they're all cornerbacks but that's not the case sometimes backup strong safety sometimes backup free safeties are the nickel corner so and i'm trying to explain this to the the you know the com um so basically there's not like a definitive like all right this guy's got the build of a nickel corner, right? Like usually the nickel corner is just going to be either a backup cornerback or a backup strong safety, free safety. So maybe necessarily he's not the best at what you ask him to do in coverage on a two receiver, but he's the best at maybe covering that three slot receiver, or he's the best at dropping back into a, a zone coverage. Because I think like a lot of times when you're talking about the best corners, you know, in the NFL, Brent, what do we talk about? Their ability to take a man, right? Their ability for press coverage. The nickel corner is a little different. And I know some great nickel corners that just play zone, but guess what? They're super good at it. And if you ask them to play man, they probably couldn't do it. So I think it's a combination of that. Maybe uh, it's a combination of being a little undersized sometimes, things of that nature. But there is, like, no definition of what makes a great nickel corner. Yeah, it's, I, it's weird. I, I was asking around a little bit today, yeah. and they said it's kind of like playing uh, asking a guard to go to tackle. Yeah. It's two different spots, even yeah. though it's the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's very instinctual position, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes into play with DJ Hayden, right? Knowledge, he's been around it, but he's very good on the blitz. Yep. People love Darren Colvin coming off on that blitz. Well, DJ Hayden, might, he's probably better. Yeah. That, that is, again, hidden. And this isn't like raise the pom-poms for the front office. That was a heck of a signing by the front office. It absolutely was. He's been really good. Yeah. Really and well, good. And keep track because, like you said, when he blitzes, they have results. Maybe see a little more of him blitzing, cost more turnovers. One other thing I noted today, too. Nickel corners don't go to Pro Bowls. They get overlooked. I can't think. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, let's, let's try I, I, to find one yeah, in the yeah, break. Yeah, we'll try to find one. <laughs> Doesn't happen. I don't think so. They, they need to make that happen. They play a lot. Well, especially nowadays. I yeah. mean, so it's so pass happy. Yeah, why not? All right, more Jags talk next on ESPN 690. We've been practicing now. I mean, it's not like, you know, so we've we've already gone through the um, the progression. Okay, here's when he first came back, you know, we were focused on, on doing this, and then we were focused, you know, on just really building it up into building up the reps, building up the amount of speed around him. I guess that's probably the best way, you know, because early on, obviously, we didn't want anyone around him. Um, and then we just started, you know, putting him on the move, doing a bunch of different things, and he's up to speed as far as where he should be. That's Doug Marone on Nick Foles. Nick Foles week is here. Hey, I'm excited to watch Nick Foles play football. Like, I, I get it. You, you're you in the Minshew camp, so are you like... I mean, some people are yes, stubborn about I'm, that I'm stuff. hoping Nick Foles does horrible. No, uh, of course I'm excited for Nick well, Foles, man. I, well, I know. I, I, I'm not saying you hope he does horrible. I think everybody hopes the Jags win and he does well and he, and he, he goes 7-0. and oh. yeah. But I do think there's a part of all of us that are like, I told you you should have stuck with me, too. Yeah, you know, it, it's like I was saying, Brent. In my opinion, I think Minshew is the ultimate boomer bus guy because we saw a glimpse of what he's capable of. And that's all we have to go off of, you know, and I get it. He had a rough game against Houston, um, the worst of his NFL career so far, hands down. But he's a rookie. All right. And 
I understand. And I was a guy that said, if I'm Doug Marone, I'm playing Nick Foles. Why? Because my job's on the line. So I absolutely get the point of playing Nick Foles. And all things considered, I think the team seems excited to have Nick Foles back, as they should. So that's good for the team and everything. It's just the fact that I just feel like as far as the boom conversation's concerned, I think Minshew's ceiling could have been a little higher. That's Which interesting. Crazy because I'm saying that about our first-year guy. You know? that That's interesting you say that because I think I, the one thing that I thought went under the radar about the Nick Foles conversation going back in the preseason, I remember bringing this up once and saying – we're all saying that we know he won a Super Bowl and an MVP and he's got this on his resume and he can do this late in the year and yeah, but he didn't do this and can he make it through a season and obviously that played out. But I remember one show in August we brought up, what if this is just the start for Nick Foles, hmm. right? Yeah. What if this is like, what if he turned the corner in his career and now this is what he is? You know, small sample in Philly two years ago, small sample in Philly last year. But what if, given the bigger sample, this is who he is as a quarterback? He's about to take that traje- trajectory as a QB. I think there are a lot of people that say, okay, he's 30 years old, and we know who he is. And you might be right. I mean, 30 years, that's a, that's a good sample. I mean, he's been playing since 2012, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he hasn't played consistently since 2012. He hasn't played with this kind of confidence since 2012. We all know also quarterbacks are better at 30, 31, 32 than they usually are at 24, 25, 26, usually. So I, I think there is still that. I don't know if he's hit the ceiling. I, I guess that question's still unanswered. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not sure it will be answered this year because the sample will once again be pretty, pretty small. It's a seven-game sample. Mm-hmm. You know, if he plays one through sixteen, well, then I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, maybe yeah. that's maybe you maybe everybody's right. Okay, the ceiling was this, yeah, maybe a little notch up or notch below, but it is what it is. And you got again, you might be right, but mm-hmm. I think you can at least ask yourself: Is there something more to this? You know, and I I think the Jag I don't know if the Jags pie in the sky said, yeah, we really think he's about to go like this. I think they took the best quarterback out there, gives him a chance to win yeah. in free agency, and and it was a decent price tag given the market all that stuff but i do think it's fair to at least say 30 years old what i would say the prime of a quarterback in terms of age mm-hmm. all the confidence the tools the connection with Filippo, my own team for the first time that i feel that i like the coach i like the players i like the position i'm in i'm like i'm at peace with where i am in my career all that stuff oh i can't be the the arrow be up on nick Foles still no <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to the philosophy. If you buy into the sample size that's been presented to us, yeah, you know, and it's a lot of years. It's just not a lot of well, consistent games. No, for sure, and it's it's a lot of you know he was with the Rams with Jeff Fisher, then in Kansas City, then back to Philly again. So I get it; he's been moved around before. But then I can I can say the same thing about Gardner Minshew. All we have of a sample size is one, you know, I mean, yeah. what, eight games that well, he started. I definitely think the ceiling's so, high for Gardner yeah, Minshew. I do. I believe you on that. Yeah, and. I, I guess that's where I'm just kind of having these mental gymnastics right now going back and forth because, like I said, I completely understand why Nick Foles is starting. And you know what? If I was in Doug Marone's position, Brent, I would probably start Nick Foles too, and I'll give him that. But at the same time, and you look at Minshew's numbers, you look at his stats he's been able to put up, and, yeah, let's be honest, none of it really makes a lot of sense, right? Like, he wasn't our top five, one of our top five quarterbacks out of the Senior Bowl, all right? Like, nobody really first saw this coming, and the guy wears jean shorts, and it doesn't make any sense, and he wears a jock strap when he's lifting weights, doesn't make much sense, but whatever, he still makes it work. And my Even only, worse when he's stretching. Oh, even worse when he's stretching. But my only worry is the fact that the Jaguars caught lightning in the bottle, and now... 
you're just going to put it to the side and hopefully when you ask to go back to it again, it's going to, I don't know. It's just, it I, was well-preserved. It was well-preserved. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, that's my biggest word. Listen, here's the deal. You know, you say, and, and I probably agree with you in the big picture mm-hmm. of Doug Marone made this decision because it's probably a good decision for this football team right now. For for Doug Marone's future. Well, for Doug Marone, but <laughs> yeah. I think he thinks it's good for this Well, because let's be honest, Brent, if it's good for the football team, it's good for his future. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, I, I heard uh, Calais Campbell talked on Friday mm-hmm. on first take. I heard this did too. Did you hear that? Yeah. So does, he and he said he, he thinks he'd be an MVP candidate. He thinks he'd be an MVP candidate. That's how much they like this guy, believe in this guy. I don't think you sleep on that kind of stuff. And I also believe Doug Marone has kind of hinted that there's more evidence than this is just about, hey, we think he's good for my job and, and this football team. We might just think at this stage he's better mm-hmm. in, in general. And I think he hinted at that the last Tuesday and even today in his news conference. By the He said there are a few things that we're working on with Gardner we want to continue to work on with him, even without him playing, that we think are fixable, that he's got the ability to fix. He doesn't want to give it away because he doesn't want people scouting him like that. Sure. You know, so I get that. But I, I guess the more you talk about it in the last week, ever since this decision was made, the more evidence is – I think kind of to what I've said for a long time, Gardner Minshew played so much better than anybody thought he could play mm. and put this team in a position to be in this spot and at least have a chance. That is, it should be applauded the way it's been applauded. But that doesn't always mean you can have that, but that doesn't necessarily mean he played great football all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think those two things get mushed together. Where you say, wow, he was playing such good football. He's offensive rookie. Well, I think he was leaving stuff out there, too. And it's you'd, you don't want to – nobody wants to say that right now. But I feel like there are things that, that – that's my hunch, is that if you really pressed them in that building with DiFilippo, Marone, whoever else is in there, and you're watching the tape be like, yeah, there was this and this and this. You know, but oh, that's, yeah, but that's no, a young quarterback. The, the, but every quarterback has mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I just wonder. I don't think this is my point. Is I don't think that this this could be Bill Belichick making the decision, and his job could be secure, mm-hmm. and he might have made the same decision. I guess that's what I'm getting around to. No, and, and yeah, I, I can absolutely see that point because there is still a division to win. So. If you think Nick Foles gives you the best shot, which I'll be honest, I think I think Nick Foles right now, at this point, what we've seen with Garner Minshew, I would probably say Nick Foles is the better quarterback. But once again, it's about going forward. Yeah. And, and, and I, See, it's hard for me to be a radio guy, but also be in that locker room, because I've been in that locker room, and I get what... The, the players, I'm sure, want Nick Foles, right? Because Nick Foles has the experience. He's a former Super Bowl MVP, and they're playing for right now, as they should. So they have every right to justify playing Nick Foles. But I'm also now on the radio, and I'm trying to see into the future, and I'm trying to see the statistics and, and how the NFL works and who has success and who doesn't have success. And I'm looking at trends where teams that have that rookie contract for a quarterback seem to do a lot better than guys who get the, the, the big you know free agent money. Um, and that's just the way it is. Like, watch Kansas City Chiefs. Watch when Patrick Mahomes gets paid all his money. Watch what happens to that offense. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. That's just the way that, that's how the salary cap works. And I'm just trying to visualize, and I get it. Maybe we're talk, getting too far ahead of ourselves here. But I'm just trying to visualize the next training camp going into it. Are you going to have a legit quarterback battle? 
then what happens if, okay, so if Foles wins the battle, then you're going to have Minshew sit on the bench again? Whatever. Minshew wins the battle, then what's going to happen to Foles? You know, it's just, it's all these scenarios I'm trying to play out. And to me, right now, sitting here, like, once again, I get both sides, but I would feel more comfortable playing Minshew because I feel you can do a lot more things with Minshew. Because then eventually, you'd probably have to trade Foles away or do something with that, obviously. But going into the training camp now, there's going to be a quarterback battle. It's just it's it's a no it's a whole new set of circumstances. Oh, there's deep yeah. evidence right now that this radio thing has really screwed you up. I know, man. <laughs> I know. It wasn't anything about getting in a cage. Somebody give me an edible. It was, a, <laughs> it was about yeah, getting just, in a radio just not studio. Too much. That's going to be about getting in a radio <laughs> studio. Stay yeah. off the weed. <laughs> Surprised Kuz is even listening. I know. But listen, I'd say slow down. Mm-hmm. With the, if you still in the NFL, if you have a season that is alive, screw 2020 right now, man. That's not the way the NFL works. And I'm not saying this for Doug's job, the front office job. I'm saying that for heck all of us. Yeah. I mean, everybody. It, going to the playoffs is fun. Going to the Super Bowl and having a chance to win, yeah, that's more fun. But nobody thought the Jags were good enough to even go to the AFC championship, even at this time back in 2017. I would say you put everything in it. You don't worry about 2020 training camp. You really don't. And if you know what, if it works out that Nick Foles is a starting quarterback in 2020 Mm -hmm. and Minshew has to go to the bench for that year, and it would be, to me, it would be one more year type of thing because then you can get out of the Foles contract after that and not take a big hit. Well, then so be it. That means Nick Foles is playing good football. And that means you still have Gardner Minshew, who is now two years into his NFL career, Mm -hmm. who played some games, sat down, probably played a few more games because Nick may have got banged up or something like that next year. And you're ready to rock and roll for the next decade with him. But guess what, Brent? I'm going to plan for the future. I'm going to plan for next year's training camp. Do you know why? Because that's what the front office is doing, too. When, when they traded Jalen Ramsey away, they got what? They got future draft picks yeah. from him. They, they weren't worried about the current state because if they wanted to, I'm sure they probably could have got a player to play this year. They could have got maybe Gerald Everett at tight end or somebody like that. But they chose to go for first-round draft picks. That's them planning for the future. Well, I'm just like, trying to meet them and in the future, man. Yeah, yeah but that is also play, that's value. Gerald Everett wasn't as good as a first-round pick. No, I'm, I'm not saying you trade a first-round pick for Joe. No, but I'm saying... Well, they got two first-round picks and a fourth yeah. instead of getting a player. Yeah, but maybe now, the fourth... Well, maybe they couldn't, though. Maybe yeah. they couldn't do that. Yeah. So they got a fourth instead, and that made it better. Or maybe they just weren't giving up Everett. Who knows? Yeah. But, but I'm know, saying a player, a linebacker, somebody. Not the Everett. But. As you try to meet the front office here and think like them, mm-hmm. I would say this about... You're right about the whole Russell Wilson making $35 million, and you better carry him. Mahomes, mm-hmm. when you make $35 million, you better carry him. Aaron Rodgers, you better carry him, because you can only do so much with the roster. I think that's a, that's a decent concern as you build and look forward. Mm-hmm. What I would say in 2020, that shouldn't be a concern. You're still yeah. only paying $23 million for your quarterback. In fact, you're paying less in 2020 than you were in 2019 from a dead cap and everything else standpoint yeah. for your quarterback situation. Actually, from an everything standpoint, you're still paying, what, $5 million you paid for Blake Bortles this year. Sure. So don't worry about it. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to go down the road some, I get it. But you're going to have a couple of years with Minshew and his rookie deal, even if he doesn't play until 2021. It's not a problem in Jacksonville. From that standpoint. No, I get that, but the question comes in when do you pull the trigger on Minshew? If it falls as your starting quarterback and you have Minshew for the next couple of years, all right, so what? He comes out, has a good maybe one, two years, and then you got to re- repay him again. I'm just saying it, it's all relative at the end of the day. Yeah, you I know, look I at mean, it as a good problem. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, I'd you, like to see you Minshew have two play. good quarterbacks. It's better than having two bad quarterbacks. So I'm not saying it's it's a problem. I'm just saying you still have to hit the right button. Yeah, you, you know? have to hit the right and button. And right now, the most important button to hit is for the next seven weeks. That I agree. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people agree. Yeah. I think players would say. It sounds like coaches would say. Yep. It sounds like the tape would say. Mm-hmm. This is the right button button to push for the next seven weeks. And, and, and to me, that's all that matters. Fair, fair enough. Uh, before we go to a break, let's hit the happy hour horn here on a Monday. Get your week started off in style. Shot, tip your star tender. Hey, Vita DeLuise recently got a 98 rating. Yeah, kind of like that Madden rating. Ah, uh, yeah. Did you bad. ever have a Madden rating? Yeah, we've been over this. Do we have to revisit it? I want to. Please do. It was lower than 70. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Vita it's yeah, we'll get away from that. Made in Tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jazz Beach. VitaDeLuis.com is the place to go. Make your own recipes with Vita DeLuis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. VitaDeLuis.com. I thoroughly thought you were going to be like, if your rating's under 70, you might need some tequila. No. <laughs> I think the high, because I started out like, I think it was like 68, and I got up to like a 73 or 74, if I'm not mistaken. How many letters again did you send to the folks? How many letters? None. None? I, no, I, I didn't care. Come on, man. You got to <laughs> lobby sometimes. But I had friends that uh, made a habit of telling me, like, oh, your speed went down, like, good job, you know, stuff like that. Uh-oh. So That's the one thing that NBA does really well with their games. Like, the players get really involved with their ratings, and they get mad or happy about it, and then everyone goes crazy on Twitter. Well, now they're, like, if you watched Hard Knocks this year, they have, like, the Madden adjusters. So they'll, yes, come, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. they'll come to a training camp and, like, But those guys lobby, man. Leonard Fournette will be oh, no, yapping I, at those guys. They, they all, and I'll be honest, I, I, I never cared. I was too busy playing Call of Duty. I didn't care about Madden. <laughs> So, Miles Jack says a new Call of Duty is the best there ever there's there's ever been. Really, I, I haven't played I, the I new one yet. Right. Tell him look me up, Squeaky Nine Thousand. Okay, but here's Squeaky Nine Thousand. <laughs> I made it in eighth grade, man. How often do you, you play Call of Duty? Uh, I played it yesterday. How often do you play Call of Duty? Well, I haven't played the new Call of Duty because I just got Death Stranding, and that's a whole other topic. We'll get into some other time. So uh, I'm going to be into that now. I wish I had the gotta time tell the you family guys have in your hands. I don't really have the time. I just got to tell the family I'm not going to hey, see him for the next couple months. I do months. a video game podcast. It's all content. I'm making content. You getting paid while you play these games? No. no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not That's yet. the right answer. Um, <laughs> I have never played Call of Duty. No? Never even Ty doesn't tried. get into that? No. Is that by your choice? Be honest. Uh, it's all right. I wonder if it would be, but he's never asked. Okay. So, I mean, he plays Fortnite. Yeah. Well, well, he better. You're trying to get him a scholarship. And they play Madden. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) If you hit like you did this weekend, you better keep playing Fortnite. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It was a rough. Okay. I actually had a big hit yesterday. Nice, Uh, nice. So, all right. uh, We come back. We'll talk more Jags. We have uh, Stuart Weber catching up with Chris Conley, I think. So we'll hear from uh, the locker room today for the Jags. And a little more college football talk. Stay in your lane all on the way on Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. 
guys are coming to the Players' Championship Military Appreciation Day night. Yeah. That's a good day to announce it for the Players' Championship, by good the call. way, on Veterans Day, right? Yeah. Happy Veterans Day once again. Uh, so the Chain Smokers. Chain Smokers. It's a good song, but the lyrics are kind of messed up. Like, I don't get how you could be attracted to someone who steals from the roommate. But here we are. Am I right? All right. You know what I'm talking about, Brent? Yeah, I'm trying to think. The chick stole the mattress from her roommate back in Boulder, and they ain't ever getting older, as they say. Like, who steals a mattress? I was trying to think of, like, the the top... Degenerates. The top turnoff. Oh, for you? Hey, I think stealing from your roommate's got to be up there. Like, if you're dating a girl who stole from... Like, for instance, you, you met your wife in college. If Hall of Fame Steph was stealing from her roommate, would that kind of broke the deal for you a little bit? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to answer this legitimately. I'm Please to do. Make... Here's the best way to say this. I was so in love. <laughs> Brent, Brent was stealing for her. They, they, that's what that means. Brent was stealing stuff for her. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that would have been a deal breaker. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe like a little red flag would have went off. No? Yeah, probably a red flag. Yeah, well, why are you stealing stuff? Okay. Okay. Uh, depends. It gave me some good reasons, good excuses. <laughs> so, anyway, the Chainsmokers coming uh, in March to uh, TPC Sawgrass, part of Military Appreciation Night, uh, annual tradition at the Players' Championship Week. That's on Tuesday night. You know, they usually go with the country. Yeah. They have been for the last, I, I don't even know how many years. I don't have it in front of me. But Players' Championship usually goes with the country music genre. Mm-hmm. And they have. So this goes outside of that, yeah. I believe, for the first time. I want to say for the first time. Kuz, do you know that? This is the first time we've gone outside of country? I, uh, I'm i only really going the past two years. Uh. I remember I was at Dirk's like five, six years ago. I like, mean, they've had yeah. Tim McGraw and uh, Darius Dirk's Rucker Bentley. and Dirk's Bentley mm-hmm. and... Um, Jeez, uh, they've. I mean, now I I can't even list all of them. Uh, the hottest guy going right now, Chase Young. No, nah, Lee Bryce. I don't know. I'm just thinking of names. No, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just Luke Combs. I, I said that. Oh, Luke, Luke Combs. Combs. There it is. He's, big he's, and rich. Big and rich. They had oh. Toby Keith. Coming Toby to Keith. Very good. Big dog. Toby Keith. I mean, they had Tim McGraw. Man, Tim McGraw's pretty big. It's a big deal. So I think all yeah. country. So they yeah. go outside of this. How do you feel about it? I mean, this is this is your I was thinking, I was like, expertise. Yeah, you know, here's the deal. That event, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like, it's probably maybe a set list of like six songs, something like that. Okay. You know, it's not like this long two-hour thing. Sure. So what do they have? Like, I really just, I know that one and a couple of others. They've That's, got a few. Yeah. So, so from their few hits, people that will know, and then probably a couple other ones. Mm-hmm. I would be curious. I think they're this kind of a test example to see, all right, who what who's going to come to this? Because country crosses all different, you know, demographics. It does. Chain smokers isn't going to be like, whoa, let's go see. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to well, hit. Yeah, I mean, as far as like the younger crowds, obviously they they cater to those people, but I I don't know. It's. I always felt like the beauty with country music and the acts that they brought in was the older crowds obviously could relate to them, but also the younger crowds could as well, you know? So I feel like you're taking a little bit of a gamble now relying more on your younger crowds because I'll be honest, I guess my mom's heard of Chainsmokers. I don't think my mom's like the biggest Chainsmokers fan. I don't think a lot of people her age are the biggest Chainsmokers fan. So I'm curious. I guess they're just trying to go for a younger, more vibrant crowd. I guess, yeah. yeah. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah, let me take a selfie. Let me take a selfie. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be on uh, TPC, Brent. Right there on Josh 17. Yeah. Hey, and you, you want to talk about edibles? 
Unbelievable. What is this? It's going to be like Coachella. This is, this is, it's a TPC Sawgrass. Have a little more. It's a little too loud for our people at home, I feel like. We were talking about this earlier, though, with the band. like uh, Nickelback. Nickelback, right? yeah. And we we're trying to. I, what I said, I missed the complete orig, origin of Nickelback. Like, you're not cool at all if sure. you like Nickelback. Exactly. And not to say I like Nickelback. I'm just saying I missed the whole start of that. Like, they became a punchline yeah. somewhere along the way. Yeah. And I, what I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how that stuff happens. Yep. Was that a social media craze? Was that kind of <laughs> like, let's get on this train? Because, I mean, I know you didn't like Maroon 5 uh, last year at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people did. I didn't. I just don't like Maroon 5. Um, yeah, with Nickelback, it's funny because... When they first came out, I was kind of like, yep, there it is. So when when they came out, I was kind of like, eh, they're not bad. But then all of a sudden, like, it took, and I'm, I'm literally going to have a seizure myself if I keep hearing Nickelback in my headphones and I'm trying to talk about them. <laughs> but um, it's just the fact that it was like the cool thing to all of a sudden hate on them. And I think like the whole meme thing, the whole meme craze kind of helped that a little bit. But all of a sudden, it was like the cool thing to hate on Nickelback. And they're not the only band, but they're like the biggest band where I felt like that happened to. I don't think Brent's noticed this, but my email, the photo in my email is the lead singer of Nickelback. I haven't noticed that either. Oh, really? No, I don't. I look, I've never seen your photo on your email. Oh, yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's, That's why I don't, I don't know. piss off the IT guy. It's, it's just, <laughs> he did that. Oh, yeah. And he locked <laughs> it, so I can't change it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, I just find that interesting. Like, I don't not like a band yeah. or whatever yeah. like that much. Like, I understand if you don't like their genre, their, sure. their the sound, like the whatever. But, but like, they became someone like, to hate on them. Like, they got hated on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And I never really, I, I just didn't get it. It was just kind of like, okay. Well, that's the thing. Like, they were popular at first. There were yeah. some moments that they did things on stage that rubbed people the wrong way. Like, I'm pretty sure they were supposed to perform in Mexico, and the birds were going to the bathroom on stage, so they came out for like five seconds and left. Oh, really? And oh, so that's I'm called sure. being a rock star. That's all it is. So, <laughs> so at the end of the day, though, do hey, more, hey. like you hear all the people, like they're the punchline. But do they have, like, millions of fans, though? Of course. So here's the thing with Nickelback. Isn't that part of it? N- Nickelback still has their fans, but obviously it's like they're in hiding. They're like, <laughs> they're like, they're like witness protection, and, like, they don't want to reveal themselves. Why? Because they face not only the wrath of other people on Twitter, but also just maybe some family members as well. I mean, I'm serious. Like, if someone was to walk in here and sit down and interview with us or whatever, and they said, yeah, I'm a Nickelback fan, like... I would have to turn over or look at them and start making fun of them. And that's just the way it is. Because <laughs> so, you have to. Yeah, exactly. You have a personal so, responsibility. I have a personal responsibility. Or no. you're not cool. No, yeah. You'll so never no. get on the ground. Exactly. I'll never get on the ground. And, hey, but here's the real question, Brent. Why is that? Like, that's what I'm they asking. They didn't do anything to offend me. Like, it's not like they came out and, like, said something racial. You know, like, they're, they've done everything. They just try to be rock stars. That's all they try to be. But for whatever reason, I've been predispositioned by Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is to dislike Nickelback now. Yeah, I don't understand. And, and I'm all in. I'll be honest. I'm all in with it. From that transition to Action Sports Jack Stuart Weber. <laughs> I think it's a perfect transition, quite frankly. Oh, wow. And, uh, the disrespect. However, in the locker room today, caught up with Jags wide receiver Chris Conley. He should be excited about Nick Foles coming back. They had a great camp together. Obviously, one of the reasons Chris Conley is here in Jacksonville, I think, is because of Nick Foles. Could it be a big seven games for Chris Conley? Here's Stuart Weber earlier today. 
bye week was great. Uh, I got to go back to Georgia, spend some time with family, uh, spend some time with my wife, and really just decompress and get away from football. Um, and that's what you know the bye week is meant for. Uh, but now that we're here, you know, I'm energized, locked back in. Uh, the, a lot of energy in the building today, uh, excitement about uh, where we're at, what we can still do, um, and knowing that it's time to prepare. And so everybody was ready to go today. This is kind of our first chance to get everyone's reaction. And Nick Foles coming back, being the starting quarterback again. Uh, you guys get out there with him today in practice. How nice is it to see him back out there as part of the huddle and, and kind of leading the reps again? Uh, it's good. It's good to have him out there. You know, he's a little amped up, um, throwing the ball, a little zip on it today. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good to have him out there. You know, he's gone through a lot. Um, I know personally in his career, and he's gone through a lot since he's been here to get back out there on that field. And so having him out there today was uh, was really good for us. And, uh, you know, we all got to knock uh, some of the rust off and, and get tuned up and ready to go for this weekend. Talk about facing Indianapolis, uh, these next two huge games, AFC South games. Uh, you get that re-energized feeling coming off the bye, getting Nick back in the lineup. Uh, how important is this next little stretch for you guys? Uh, you know, we've eliminated any room for error that we have, uh, you know, with these last this last loss and, and just where we are as a team. Uh, I think everyone is is excited about the prospects of, of what we can do. We believe that we can, we can win games and that we can be a, a dangerous team. Uh, but really, right now, uh, that just it just comes down to this week. This week is the most important week, uh, and, and there's no other way to say it. You know, uh, we can't we can't have any mistakes. We got to go out there and we got to perform. Well, that's Chris Conley talking to Stuart Weber and uh, nice uh, Nickelback connection with Weber, not Conley, not Conley. Um, and <laughs> there, there is, there is no Weber. connection to Nickelback with Stuart Weber. Come on, Weber. Weber ran up here when he heard the conversation about Nickelback and himself. I am out. Of, <laughs> I am out of breath because I sprinted across the station <laughs> trying to defend himself to defend myself and make sure my name is in no way affiliated with Nickelback. And you are out of shape. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing the fact that. I should not be mentioning the same sentence. Thank By you. the way, our viewers have never been so low once we re- we uh, <laughs> mentioned Nickelback. You talked about Nickelback. That's on you. <laughs> How are uh, we doing? Everyone good. Everybody good? Yeah. Everybody good. Doing great. All right, good. Doing great. How about you? Good. Just putting together the show here for tonight, a little Jags Report Live. Everyone's excited about it? We yes. are. DJ Hayden. He'll be good. He loves golfing. That's what we heard. Uh, he's he's trying to get better and become a a good golfer. Something we're all trying to do. Eh, I'm I'm okay with where I'm at, but I'm curious to see, Brent. You got to take him on in, at the Top Golf, correct? Like that's going to happen. That's yeah, I think that will happen. I think uh, to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about uh, DJ Hayden. Here I think it comes he's trying. Record this. I think he's trying. I think he's probably getting better. He's taking up the sport, but I think he has no chance against me. My guess is he talks a bigger game than he has. Okay, fair enough. Can you say that again? Yeah, one I more time because it's come back to bite Brent in the butt before. My guess is DJ Hayden has a it talks a bigger game than he has when it comes to the golf. Good to know. Not football, but in golf. Okay, maybe the skills translate well though because uh, Rasheen Mathis has become a pretty good golfer. Yeah, but uh, that's my point. Like maybe not three, that he has time three, four, five to be able to down practice, the road. Yeah. yeah, I mean Rasheen Mathis puts a ton of time into golf. Like he hey. practices like he's Tiger Woods. I'm aware we had our Jaguars out in my first year in Jacksonville at TPC, and like you know we all come wearing just like our regular Jaguars practice attire and Rasheed Mathis came out rocking a two-piece Nike golf suit I'm like okay this guy must be legit and spoiler alert he is he's, I mean he's he, legit he's seriously he'll be at Glen Kernan yeah. hitting balls for hours yeah and then go I mean he is seriously 
trying to get better and better and like he is good. Yep. But and I just don't think Hayden has the time to do that right now. And he's still more in the infancy of picking up the sport. Mm-hmm. So I like he he'll admit it. He'll say, you know, maybe three years from now I'll be a lot better. So um but I think he really wants to. Like he has a passion for it. I think that's cool. Like a, a newfound passion for a sport like like golf yeah. from a football player. I don't think it happens. Well, all the time. and as a at some point former football player, it'll behoove him to have a good game because he'll be playing in a lot of charity tournaments and a lot of these sort of things. Smart. Where yeah, you know, if you can put together a little game, uh, makes you feel a little bit better when you go out there and tee it up. Fair enough. Hey, Look, uh, looking what, at you, Austin. Nope, I'm all good. I'm gonna stick with what I'm. Yeah, I'm not that. <laughs> I'm trash basically. I can hit the long ball, not straight all the time, but we, I'm, I'm comfortable we, with we that. We can work on that, you know. Yeah, that's whatever. Coming I'm up, good. to top golf tonight. I'm Anything uh, of note today from the locker room? Just uh, all focus. Yeah, everyone's sure focused. Like you know, uh, you know, everyone's everyone's ready to go. The, the there was like a message on the board talking about no excuses. We will finish strong. We always like to see those inspirational words. So hey, no excuses. Let's finish strong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna try to do on the show. That's what we try to do every day. We got one more segment. All right. Uh, before we go to that segment, uh, there were people talking about your fight. We told them on Friday, yeah. but you yep. didn't fight. I, didn't. Uh, I drove by actually yesterday around. Oh, I'm sorry, Saturday evening. Sure, yeah, the place was packed. It, huh? was, it was a great showing. Yeah, so uh, we had four guys fight. Uh, two guys won. Two guys lost. The main event was is my former team. Oh, my former uh, my current teammate. Uh, we call him Fat. We call him R- R- Ramon Tavares. I don't forgot his name because we call him Fat. But um, <laughs> and spoiler alert, he, he, he's not fat. But he he was the main event. It was his first pro fight ever. Uh, and he ended up choking the guy out in the second round. So nice. it, was, it was a cool scene. But yeah, there were like I said, a lot of ups and lots, lots of downs, man. <laughs> I hope you had that recorded, Ramon. So he ended up choking the guy out. It was a cool scene. It was a cool scene. <laughs> what, what do you want me to say? I mean, <laughs> What other walk of life is that allowed to say it's a cool scene? Well, that's, that's one of the things in MMA. If you choke somebody out, you win, and winning is cool. I don't know. <laughs> what I guess. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Oh, I mean, the, the kid's okay. Hey, hey whatever. Just say that. Go downstairs when you're on your way back down. Be like, hey, I just choke, choke somebody out. It's a cool scene. Cool scene. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool deal. Pretty cool deal. HR will want to talk to you. Uh, are you going to be um, a, a, a corner man someday after your fight career is over? Dude, I'll be honest with you. I can't stand being a cornerman because I get so much more nervous before a fight yeah. being the cornerman. Because like, watching your kid play. Yeah, exactly. Because I have no control what's going to happen. Like, yeah, I can give him advice, but at the end of the day, it's up to him. And I absolutely hate that feeling. I bet so, leaving the arena, you feel a little better. Oh, I, I win if you're winning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're winning. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more segment to come, including stay in your lane. That's next, ESPN 690. My deadly nigga came at the right time. Um, right now, Four and five, uh, not where we want to be, but I mean we're still in the race. Uh, I think this is right before we kind of take that big, the you know the most crucial part of the season. We got two conference games that can really determine our season, and then um, just kind of go on a run, get back 500, and keep going. So I think it came at a really good time. Has the bye week ever not come at a good time? Oh, it always comes at the great time, but there is a lot of people out there, including myself, when you had a bye week in the first like five weeks of the season. That was kind of a bummer because then it means like the second stretch of the season is going to be long. So ideally, if you can get it right in the middle of the season, right in the heart of the season, that's what you want. Yeah, I think it sits in an ideal place. Yeah. Um, what, did they have it? They might have had it early one year when they played in London, and then they said, "You know what? We're not taking our buy. You can take that option." When they played like third week in London, yeah, they didn't take the buy. So I, I can't remember if one time they did go pretty early in the season and then the other time they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would think right around now, though, some te- this must be the last week for buys. 
I got to believe. Like Tennessee is on a bye. I think the Packers are on a bye, uh, which means Tennessee will play the Jags off a of bye week. Do you think the bye week really helps in terms of uh, there's a lot of teams that have great records coming off a of bye? I think Andy Reid's record Help coming the off a of bye. When they play really the Patriots. Good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you think? I mean, uh, like from a player's perspective. So, yeah. To be fair, I think it helps. Um, in terms of the offense, I think it helps a lot. Like if you're an offensive-minded team, if you have an offensive-minded head coach or a great offensive coordinator, then yes, I think the bye week helps you because you know it, it gives you time to kind of go over some things and game plan an extra week. Now on the defensive end of the ball, I think it's a little more cut and dry. I think that obviously it helps guys get rested, but as far as like the performance or having a good defensive outing, I think that can be hit or miss where it doesn't really depend on the bye week. All right, you got stay in your lane? I got stay in your lane. Who's hit me with it? Oh. I missed it by that much, Brent. So close. close. So close. For a second there, I didn't know if the car was going to start. <laughs> it is a little chilly outside after all, I guess. <laughs> I do not miss that. Oh, man. That is the worst, right? Back when you have to actually like let the car warm up for yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, man. And you have to de-ice the windshield. Oh, oh man. That's Come so on. The wedding this weekend was in North Jersey. Like, I could see the city. I How could cold see New York 29. Oof. We were waiting for our Uber, and, like, the you know, my girlfriend's family was there. They were, like... They, they were just shoeless hanging yeah. out there with us. I was like, are you guys crazy? Oh, because the heels were they were shoeless? No, they mean? just were barefoot because we were just waiting for the Uber. They're just standing out there barefoot with us. Oh, okay. Hey, here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> I am, go ahead and play that Stephen A. Smith thing again. I am a giant wuss. Like, I didn't really like the cold, and I grew up up north. Like, Albany, I didn't like it when it was that cold. My skin would get itchy, irritated. I didn't like when it was explosive. I don't know. It was huh. weird. Yeah. And I grew up, like, in Rhode Island, so it was chilly enough. Yeah. A little colder in Albany, but not that crazy. It's it's not like the Arctic. Yeah. And uh, there would be days, though, in yeah. Albany where it could get really bad. But man, I am now. I mean, I'm true Floridian wuss in yeah. the cold. Like last, the last two nights to me were cold. Like we were watching baseball. Like yep. Ty was playing when that sun went down and it was like 58 degrees. 58 degrees. Yeah, that's not the cold. Hurting. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and again, I wasn't freezing, but I'm just saying you feel it. Yeah. And uh, that's like full wuss alert right there. You ever had frostbite before? You know, I don't think I have, but I, I think I told the story before. I was cold. I, I don't, went and covered a high school football game way up in Tupper Lake. I don't think when I was in Albany. We drove three hours up yeah. through the mountains. Yeah. And it was the longest game ever because a kid got hurt. Oh. And it was like in the negatives. And I was out still early on in Albany. And for some reason, I wore like dress shoes and <laughs> dress pants because <laughs> yeah. we were going to be live on TV Big for the mistake. game. Instead of like covering high school football, man, wear jeans and boots or of something, course. you know? Yeah. And uh, oh, totally made a mistake. I've never been so cold in my life. Still yeah. tops cold. Uh, so I might have had some frostbite on my feet and didn't realize sure. it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I only got frostbite once. I messed myself up pretty good. So um, this was after my last amateur fight in MMA, actually, and I ended up breaking my hand during it. So broke my hand, had to get a cast while I was going home back to Wisconsin in two weeks. And obviously the doctor's like, you can't go snowboarding, obviously. I'm like, yeah, sure, doc, no problem. I was, go I was, I was going snowboarding. I don't, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell an MMA fighter yeah. not to go so snowboarding. I had my broken hand. Well, when I got back home, Brent, it was like record-breaking like temperatures. So when I went snowboarding the first day, it was minus 18 with the wind chill. And I was out there for the whole day, and I had my cast on. So I couldn't put a glove over it, obviously. So I just put a wool sock over it, like, like a big nub wool sock. Figured it was going to be fine. Man, go off a jump, crash a little bit, break my cast, and, like, snow gets – it was a bad scene. But needless to say, I got frostbite in my fingers the first day. So did so. it, like, turn colors? Yeah, the tips were a little black. Tips, yeah. tips were a little black. I'll tell you, those cold uh, – Tupper Lake, 
Minnesota was yeah. cold, but I wasn't exposed to it. We did one show that we were out there for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It was freezing. The Super yep. Bowl in Minnesota yep. was freezing a couple Lake years ago. Lake effect right there, they call that. Oof. And I still say the AFC championship game, uh, no, uh, the divisional game in Pittsburgh. Yep. It wasn't too bad. It was freezing that day, mm-hmm. like freezing. Mm-hmm. But the sun was out there in the game, and so it wasn't so bad. But at night when we did all our TV stuff, well, we had no access to the stadium. We had to go outside the stadium. Yeah. And so we were outside for like five or six hours doing yeah. stuff late at night. Oh, that well, was cold. And, and you'd be surprised, and it's a story for another day, but like being a football player and playing that kind of weather, how, how much it changes you like as a player. Like there, there's just certain things. Like I, I told the story about like the 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 Vaseline, the Vaseline and everything. But there's just but you don't want to hit this hard, right? Well, I mean, exa- well, yeah. The, the, once again, I'll, I'll, I'll share the story a different time. But it's just it's it's a different beast, now, and different. I enjoyed it. But. Now Green Bay last night in the snow. Yeah, that'd be fun because it oh, wasn't yeah. like freezing cold. It was no, just for sure. snowing. Because it was snowing. When yeah. it's snowing, it doesn't mean it's freezing cold. Yeah, exactly. it was like upper twenties. Probably yeah. okay. That's yeah. good football weather. That's fantastic football weather. All, all about right, it. Stay in Do we have to reset? Restart the car? No, no, no. Don't restart the car. <laughs> All right, cut the call off. There we go. So, uh, and I just delete. Okay, so cruise control. Um, Brent, you know a guy by the name of Cassius Winston? Yeah. From yeah. from Michigan State, right? So Really um, good player. Yeah, he's a, a sad story. fantastic player. Um, so Cassius Winston on Saturday night um, lost his younger brother because he was hit by a train. And... You know, um, being just the baller that that guy is, um, you know, the, the teammate, the leader that the guy is, Cassius Winston chose to play 24 hours later um, and had a great game. You know, I think he put up, was it 17 points? And I, I, I think it was 17 points, 16 assists, something like that. It was a really good game, but that's not what's important. What he's was one important, of the best players in the country. He's one of the best players in the country, and he's going to be a, definitely a lottery pick when he comes out. But his stats don't mean anything. It's about what everybody learned from that kind of performance and the guts that he showed. And no one maybe learned more from it than Tom Izzo, the head coach of Michigan State Spartans here. So check out what Tom Izzo had to say about his players' performance. Yeah, I was talking about how fragile life is. And, you know, I've been told for 60 years that you, every day you wake up, you're blessed, you're lucky. Uh, the only one that says it on a daily basis for me is Tom Tom. But it is fragile. And it is, it, it kind of makes you reassess and think how much you should appreciate the opportunities you have, because none of us do. None of us. Complain about our jobs. I get to be at a place and watch a kid go through this and think that I have a chance to help him. It's incredible. But when you leave here tonight, whoever it is, Son, daughter, older mother, father, wife or husband. Um, It would do you good to tell them you love them and you appreciate them. And it would do you a lot of good than any people closest to you that you, you say that. You say it and you say it and you say it. Because one morning you wake up and everything's one way. And by 9 o'clock that night, everything's another way. And then you don't get a chance to say it. So I told my team after. I loved every one of them. So there you go. Emotional Tom Izzo from uh, definitely an emotional night. Yeah, pretty. Uh, well, that's a, that's a really good Tom Izzo statement there. Yeah. And uh, it does put everything in perspective, you know, uh, all, all that changes. You know, I mean, I yeah. went to a funeral today and uh, it's, it, 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 it changes a lot of things. Um I think this is an 
instance of a coach where the coaches, you know, I, I hit on coaches a lot. Yeah. Especially college basketball, college football. Sure. I really believe this is where they can make such a difference yeah. in a young person's life and how they guide them through this part and yeah. how close that relationship is. And I, I mean, you can't take that away. There's such an important role coaches play, even though I sometimes say how egotistical they are. It's all about them and college hoops and college football. Yeah. But, uh, we play a big part in uh, Cassius Winston's life, no doubt about it. Absolutely. So quick, pump your brakes real fast before we head off from the show. A fan was escorted from Madison Square Garden over the weekend, Brent, uh, by six people. Care to take a guess why he was escorted? Dolan. Yes. He's, the, the, fans started chant, the, 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 the fans started a chant, fired Dolan, got back to Dolan. Dolan had him He's escorted. He's so soft, Listen, man. Here's my issue with it. Wolves shouldn't concern themselves with sheep. And right now, in my opinion, James Dolan... Is a sheep in wolf's clothing. Simple as that. They're about to fire their coach. Yeah, well, you should fire Dolan, too. Oh, well, we send you into the night I with know. a little nickelback. You know, well, this is a... Chain smokers. <laughs> Chain smokers. Sorry. Don't steal your roommate's stuff, okay? And if you have a car you can't afford it, get rid of it. Chain smokers, greater sign than nickelback. I, I prefer I prefer chain smokers. Dude, this song is good. I'm sorry, man. That's a good song. <laughs> just the lyrics are jacked up. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, come on out to Jags Report Live tonight, 7 o'clock. Top Golf, where you can watch on CBS 47. DJ Hayden will be there with us as well. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47, Fox 30. Have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.